We are live on this Tuesday, September 21st. This is Football Life Presents The Audible. I am your host, Randy Hammond, alongside my co-host for a week to recap, Matt Bushnell. Matt, I always like I always say, you know, it's the clock, clock strikes seven o'clock here on the East Coast, but it's four o'clock for you in Arizona. How are you doing today, man? Doing all right, Randy. We finally got out of the hundred degree temperatures, it feels like down mm-hmm. here. So life is looking up. And week two is in the books. Yeah, tomorrow, the official first day of fall. But if you're a football fan, that was two weeks ago. So uh, his, I've been embracing the full fall season for several days now. And uh, the rest of the world will join us uh, tomorrow. Or the country, I should say. Um, episode 73, Matt Bushnell. Uh, traditional offensive lineman number. Maybe a pass rusher here and there. But the guy that came to mind for me was future Hall of Famer, a historical loser, unfortunately, but Joe Thomas, a great left tackle for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, That's who I could think of. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Larry Allen from the Dallas Cowboys. Hall of Famer, three-time Super Bowl champion. The resume speaks for itself. Yeah. Uh, Larry Allen is a legendary name and figure uh, in NFL history, so it's probably a good call on your part. And I feel like we should uh, have an omission on the 72. You forgot a pretty important uh, legend on your own right on your own team. Oh, wow. Yeah, Randy, I can't believe you're putting me on the spot like this. But, yes, I missed the fridge. (laughs) Uh, I am sorry, Bears Nation. I I am sorry, Chicago Bears. I'm sorry personally to the fridge. The iconic refrigerator in the backfield plowing people over for touchdowns. But not to be outdone by that, he was a very good defensive tackle. And I think one of the first 300-pounders in the NFL. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Mr. Perry, if you're listening, you know, we we deeply apologize (laughs) uh, for how much we hear about the 85 Bears. You feel like he's one of the more uh, big names on the team that you 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 hear about. So, uh, big miss on our part last week. So, I'd like to issue a (laughs) correction on that (laughs) uh, this week. All right, well, week two is in the books, Matt Bushnell. We have games to talk about, and narratives have shifted, and the whole world has been righted, depending on who you root for. Um, And we're going to start with the primetime games, as we always do on this program and we're going to start with the most recent game uh and Aaron Rodgers apparently is not throwing the season for the Green Bay Packers uh, he's not pulling the Paul crew and he is back to his Aaron Rodgers ways uh, Aaron Jones is back to his ways too and he had a hell of a game but uh, I went to bed um I was watching the Eli and Peyton broadcast I highly recommend that for anyone who's yes. a football fan the, the Lions were up 17 to 14 at halftime. I went to bed thinking I had the Lions cover. I woke up only to see that the Packers pulled away and won 35 to 17. So, Matt, my question is, what happened in the second half? Jared Goff. Absolutely Jared Goff. So th- there's three key plays that took place here. One was the fumbled snap. It started raining. Jared Goff acted like he never played in the rain before. Shocking, I know. But... <laughs> just totally blew that snap cost them really good field position. And then the second big play was for all night, all night, the Packers, I'm sorry, the lions did a really good job of preventing the Packers from going deep. They played um, man to man with two deep and that enabled Devonte Adams not to beat the coverage over the top. Uh, Scantlin didn't get going really. So it really limited Rogers and they had to be very patient and a lot of it was Aaron Jones, as you'll see from Aaron Jones' four touchdowns last night. Mm-hmm. But um, once they abandoned that and they went man-to-man, no safety help on Devontae Adams, and you do that to Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get burned every single time. It never fails. So they went man-man, no safety help. 
just dropped an absolute dime to Devontae Adams down the sideline. And then the floodgates opened up from there. And then really, I'm not sure if it was such an impactful play, but it really killed any chances of the Lions coming back is when Jared Goff fumbled yet again. Um, and the ball just kind of like slipped out of his hand and just went backwards. And it was an easy recovery for the uh, Packers and not to just totally dismiss all of Jared Goff's turnovers, Randy, but he also had a very bad interception towards the end of the game. It's weird because I mean, you watched the first half of this game and you would have thought Jared Goff played really well. Uh, the first couple drives of the game, especially, he was really torching the Packers defense, but uh, weather conditions and, you know, Jared Goff's pretty limited. So I feel like for most defenses, it's pretty easy to adjust. Um, you talk about Devontae Adams, and I feel like most people were complaining about how quiet he was, but I do think he was the focal point for the Lions defense. He still finishes with eight for 121 on nine targets. Um, that's what one of the best receivers in the NFL does for you right there. But let's be honest, the story of this game is Aaron Jones. He had 17 carries for 67 yards and a rushing touchdown, and he added six catches for 48 yards and three receiving touchdowns. And as someone who was down in his fantasy matchup by 30 points going into Monday Night Football with Aaron Jones, I am not mad about this outcome. Uh, this is especially unique because Aaron Jones, if you did not know, was wearing uh, a necklace with his father's ashes on it. Uh, his father recently passed away, which, uh, you know, anytime you have these Monday Night games with sentimental value, I'm always more interested in. Unfortunately, he did lose – this piece of jewelry on the football field, which I am not totally shocked about. Anyone who has played football and taken a hit, uh, it's easy for things to fly off of you. So uh, hopefully the grounds crew in Lambeau Field can find that. They did. They did. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's back in Aaron Jones's possession. Crisis averted. I, re I respect the, uh, the symbolism there, but probably a different way of going about it. Maybe keeping him on the sideline or something, but hey, uh, all is well. Uh, as far as the Lions go, Goff, 26-36, 246, two touchdowns, a pick and a fumble lost, as you said. The other alarming thing is that Jared Goff was the leading rusher for the Lions in this game, which is not the ideal situation when you have two good running backs. Goff had four carries for 46 yards, and then DeAndre Swift with just eight for 37, Jamal Williams, seven for 25. Uh, but DeAndre Swift has an impact on the pass game, four for 41. Uh, but the, the big threat in my Lions offense is TJ Hawkinson. He had another great game, eight for 66 and a touchdown. Um, but to me, Matt Bushnell, the dagger in this game, and I didn't watch it, I saw the highlights, Aaron Rodgers showed you that he still has it on that absolute rocket of a touchdown throw to Robert Tanyan. That was one of the best throws you're going to see all year. NBA between the corner and the safety, a linebacker and the safety just lasered it right in there. Justin Herbert had a throw like this. We'll talk about it later. But Rodgers, just that throw, that snap motion, I mean, he's one of the best to ever do it for a reason. I just still am in awe of his arm talent. Yeah, I, I remarked last night only one player in the NFL can make that throw, and that's the player that made that throw last night. <laughs> if you saw that coverage, like I don't even know. Even when they went in slow motion, Randy, it's just like, how did that get in there? Yeah. But I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, the Packers are back. The Packers are back. Yes, the Packers are back, which also is a bad thing because that defense is bad. When mm -hmm. you can't stop a mobile quarterback and you're looking at teams and, you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to say they're going to win their division fairly easily. But, you know, Shanahan's going to have a big uh, decision on his hand. I know we'll preview that game in a little bit. But that defense, if you're letting Jared Goff go off for 50 yards rushing, and I know it was mostly they were dropping back in coverage because TJ Hawkinson was absolutely destroying them in the first half, and they started bracketing 
the tight end um, in Hawkinson, there's going to be some issues there for the Packers to really find answers for if they're going to compete with the teams like Tampa Bay and San Francisco. Um, the Cardinals really don't have a big tight end, but they got a hell of a mobile quarterback. So mm-hmm. I think it, interesting times ahead. Yeah, the Packers seem to have right the ship at least for a week now. They got a big matchup against the Niners coming up this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, one and one now for the Packers coming off that huge loss week one. And now the Lions 0-2 and looking like a rebuild year. I, I kind of like Dan Campbell, but um, you're not going to do much for Jared Goff moving forward. No. Um, all right, we're going to move forward now, Matt Bushnell. We call that a transition. Uh, <laughs> I also want to point out I agree with our friend Henry Maldonado Jr. in the comments. Peyton Eli is the better money. Oh, it's so good. It is it's, so good. It's amazing. Yeah, and I and I'm, I made a joke. I, I think you were in bed when I made the joke, but Peyton and Eli were like us at the end of the draft show. Pat <laughs> McAfee came in at the end of that show and saved it because you could just tell Peyton was so sick of watching Jared cough. He was like, oh, I'm just sick of this shit. But um, yeah. no, it was funny. I saw the Gronk appearance and Gronk, I got to admit, absolutely was hilarious. Um, a lot of the Patriot jokes were great. If you have to go see a recap, go check it out. Gronk basically is saying he didn't watch any film and just tell Tom tells him what to do. <laughs> uh, not the most unbelievable thing, but I, I doubt that's actually. Yeah, it's, it's not true. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Sunday night football time uh, and an upset, a huge upset. And then honestly, a matchup of AFC Titans to me. Yeah. Um, Ravens coming away 36 to 35 after going down big to the Chiefs um I didn't get to watch a ton of this game I did watch a few uh quick recaps Matt but look Lamar Jackson uh didn't play perfect but he's still proven he is an elite quarterback in this league by this comeback and to me John Harbaugh putting the faith in him to win this game is why the Ravens will always be relevant John Harbaugh we do not ever give enough credit to be (laughs) one of the best coaches in the league and on the flip side to me the Chiefs um it's crazy that this is already a thing in week two, but they just come off as bored to me. I feel like they could have won both of these games handily and they're just kind of coasting. I don't know if you agree, but that's kind of the vibe I get from Kansas city right now. It's a weird vibe. Um, I'm going to circle back to Kansas city. Cause I, I just, I feel the need to talk about Baltimore here because one of the big yeah. things I hammered home last year was the, the limitations in the Ravens were, were to come back. I felt like if they got down, they just can't, they're not built for a comeback. But boy, Randy, they were down by double digits a couple of times this game, and they just stuck with their game plan. And after the first two interceptions by Lamar Jackson, the first one was absolutely horrendous. I don't know if Sammy Watkins slipped, if it was a route miscommunication. You know, that's something I'm going to have to look back on the tape, on the coach's tape, to see exactly where the broke down, where the breakdown took place there. But that first interception was bad. And then that second interception, th- there's just no touch to Jackson's deep ball, but man, when he runs up to that line of scrimmage and then he could just dump it off to Andrews, he can dump it off to Hollywood Brown, you know, anyone that leaks in the middle of the field, he is so dangerous. So to me, I think that was a huge statement game for Lamar Jackson and kudos to John Harbaugh. You said it perfectly. You trust your players. I don't know what's so hard. And this is going to be the theme of the show for me, Randy, is for a coach to take the best possible skills of his players and instead of trying to fit his system into that player, fit the system around the players. It's amazing what you can do because I I will tell you this, 
either Lamar Jackson's the most elusive son of a bitch in the NFL <laughs> or the Chiefs had no interest in tackling him because it was just like, bap, 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 and then he's gone for 30 yards. It was insane how elusive Lamar Jackson was. The Chiefs have problems here, and this is why I'm concerned. I know a lot of people are still putting the Chiefs high. It bothers me when I see teams that think, oh, well, you know, we've been here before. We know how to do it. We'll just come back and win. For as great as Pat Mahomes is, I feel the need to really criticize some of the things that need to stop. He needs to stop rolling out, and when he's about to get sacked, make these throws. It cost him an interception last night that was horrendous. If that was any other quarterback in the NFL, maybe outside of Rodgers and Brady, they would have gotten killed today for that interception that more or less could have cost the Chiefs the game. Mm -hmm. And then when he took that intentional grounding by just keep on backing up, backing up, backing up, I, I get that he's great. I get that magic happens with Mahomes. But this team just feels like it's relying on these magical plays to happen, and they're forgetting sound fundamental techniques false starts, pre-snap penalties, that is going to kill you every time. And then the sloppy turnover by Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you, you can't fumble in that spot. So I'm concerned, you know, the tackling, the turnovers, this is sloppy football. And these are the kind of mistakes that you have to get cleaned up if you're going to be a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It's sloppy right now. I have total faith in the Chiefs to make it work. You know, I don't, you know, find this to be a trend that uh, is going to just be a thing that is a detriment to their season. I think the defense is what I'd be more alarmed about um, because Lamar is unbelievably elusive, but I don't know if they have the high end talent to um, play a, a running quarterback. Like Lamar, obviously, Lamar is the running quarterback of all running quarterbacks, but he gave them fits all night. And I just, I've worried about the Chiefs defense in the offseason and it just kind of, you know, established that opinion I already had. So um, I'm not worried about Mahomes long term, not worried about the Chiefs offense long term. A little worried about Clyde Edwards Alaire because <laughs> he has not looked good in his career so far. And uh, I have him in a fantasy league. I'm trying to trade him, but uh, <laughs> he has not been very good. But to me, this is the Ravens needing this game a ton. They knew how big this game was for them. They had not beaten the Chiefs or Mahomes uh, in the, so since Mahomes started there in Kansas City. Um, John Harbaugh knew he needed this game. Lamar Jackson knew he needed this game. It wasn't perfect, but they got the job done. And to your point earlier about Lamar Jackson being able to run up to the line of scrimmage, draw attention to himself, and then whoever runs open in the middle of the field, I don't. they had a jump pass. Yeah. <laughs> a jump pass at the 40-yard line to Hollywood Brown for a touchdown. I think the last jump pass we saw was Derrick Henry in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Uh, but to see a quarterback do it, I mean, I don't know, like it gives me Tebow flashbacks uh, from, you know, 15 years ago. Um, but, you know, it worked. And Lamar is an orthodox, and he's never going to be the traditional pocket passer with accuracy of the best arm. But ultimately, he is incredibly difficult to defend, and it takes all hands on deck to do so. So maybe the Ravens are going to be better than we think, Matt. Um, and maybe the Chiefs are not going to be as dominant maybe as we expected. Yeah, I, I think the problem that persists in my mind with the Chiefs is, and we talked about it coming into the season, Randy, and we talked about it after week one. And I still see the same issue, but now it's kind of a little bit more glaring that they can't run the football. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't know what's going on with this offensive line and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but they're trying to, and I give them credit, but also that, that third option in the passing game after Hill and Kelsey 
like McCole Hardman had a couple of nice catches, nothing too spectacular. Demarcus Robinson had a really nice catch in the end zone, but these guys are disappearing. There's no consistency there. And that's something that I need to see from the chiefs. And this is strictly nitpicking when I get to this point, but like we're talking teams like the um, Buccaneers and I'm just going to stay in the division, Randy, because you're going to need that third option when you go against a team like the Broncos with Fuller, Sertain, the safeties that they got. Darby might be back for that first Chiefs game. Like, you got to get a third option because Mm -hmm. Denver can man you up one-on-one. Yeah. I just want to give us just a shout-out to Travis Kelsey. He's (laughs) unbelievable. (laughs) I think that after this game, he was the fastest tight end to – 6k 8k i don't remember exactly the stat but uh, he's a tight end he finished with seven for 109 one of the more entertaining tight end touchdowns you'll see uh in that game so travis kelsey continues to be the standard of tight end in today's world but uh wasn't enough both of these teams now one and one i expect this to be another playoff matchup down the road i mean every time these teams play it feels like it's must see tv so all right matt we have one more primetime game to talk about i really don't want to talk about it but, <laughs> oh boy come uh, on you know you want to uh let's go back to thursday night football <laughs> and uh, i kind of forgot this game happened and i was happy about that <laughs> but here we are um the washington football team gave away this game about six times and yet the giants gave it away a seventh time and washington wins 30 to 29 and my goodness this was if you didn't have any stake in the game you thought this was an entertaining as all hell game probably a little over officiated but nonetheless the action it did not lack um but the giants uh matt i have said it time and time again um they clutch defeat from the claws of victory better than anybody. Uh, they are a bunch of losers. Um, they have a terrible uh, offensive line and, and coaching staff to make that work. Uh, I actually thought Daniel Jones played about as good of a game as you're going to see Daniel Jones play. And his stat line doesn't even reflect how well he did play. He had a massive drop by Darius Slayton late in this game. That probably would have sealed it. Um, And then the penalties, the Giants essentially gave Washington an extra 20 yards on that final drive. Um, And then the missed field goal offsides. Um, I hate to break it to all of Giants Twitter. He was offsides. Uh, It's funny that they nitpick one angle and go, oh, he was offsides. Like, watch it live. You could see he was offsides. He could tell you he was offsides with his own body language. Um, That's everything I need to know. um, look, the Giants are, 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 they're the authors of the novel, Beating Ourselves. They have been that for the last five years. They find ways to lose. And uh, John Dostromsky hosts the New York, New York podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network under Bill Simmons. And he said it the best. He goes, the Giants were just good enough to lose. That's what they've been good enough to do for the last five years. They might pique your interest. I mean, this is a team that they should have beat. This is a quarterback they should have beat. It's a backup quarterback, short rest. The defense did not play well for Washington. Daniel Jones is not going to play a better game than that. And yet somehow, some way, they find a way to lose. That's the giant way. That is the new Giants way in this in this current era here. Uh, and it's depressing. And I honestly, I can't say I'm totally shocked because this is what they've done time and time again. They find new ways to lose. Um, I would say this game was probably a little over-officiated. I'm never going to blame the officials for a single loss because ultimately the Giants did this to themselves. Two minutes left. James Bradbury intercepts Taylor Heineke. You're down one or you're down. Yeah, you're down one. 
Uh, you have the ball at the 25 yard line. There's no reason Washington should get the ball back. There's no reason you should lose this game at that point. The Giants go run, 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 three and out, kick a field goal to go up two and still give them a minute, probably 45 plus off the clock when they still have a timeout to go. And of course, inevitably, they march down the field and kick the game winning field goal. So if you're a Giants fan and you're shocked at this outcome, I'm, I'm sorry you expect a difference. But if you were tricked into thinking they had a chance after the interception, I can't totally blame you there either. Um, Giants 0 2 now. This this is the ninth time in the last 10 years they started 0-2. And uh, look, if they don't beat Atlanta next week, it's going to get late early for the Giants. Um, Matt, I don't know what you have else to say about this game, but I, I'm over it. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot said there. And I, I think, you know, we got to hit the rewind button a little bit here, Randy, because I think it's important to discuss Daniel Jones in a vacuum because we're at that stage now where this is his third year. No turnovers for him yeah. in this game, which is a nice step forward. You, you yeah. want to see that. Um, I was a little disappointed in Washington. Chase Young was kind of an afterthought. He he had some splash plays, but eh, not defensive player of the year type of material against a bad offensive line. And I thought the offensive line did okay. I mean, they weren't good, but they weren't horrendous. But this goes back to a larger issue with the Giants. And it starts with culture. Joe Judge comes in there and he talks about culture. You know, we need to change the culture. We need to change the culture. And I've been on record. I thought they should have kept Pat Shermer for another year. I I get all the losses. I get the terrible management. I get all of that makes sense. But you never, ever draft a quarterback and then fire the head coach the, the season after he was drafted. It spells disaster every time. Look at Mitch Trubisky. Now we see it with Daniel Jones in New York. Sam Darnold with the Jets, another example. It's just, it, it always turns out bad. You need that, that belief from everyone. So, all right, now Joe Judge talks about accountability. You know, push-ups, laps. We're going to tape tennis balls to your hands. And we talked about it last year. All that stuff works if you see results. Yep. This team is not good enough to endure this type of situation from this coach and I don't know what he did after last week when he called a timeout or when he challenged a touchdown which was completely idiotic cost his team a timeout what did he do to hold himself accountable the reason why what's that it's a great question I don't know yeah well I mean ran a lap yeah hopefully do you know what Bill Belichick does to players that make mistakes in key situations? He cuts them. Yep. It's not tolerated. You, you make a serious mental gaffe. And I know we're going to talk about the bears game because the bears made two big ones last this past Sunday, but players like that don't last long in new England. A lap is a lap. Okay. Whatever. You know, for the young guys, it may work. You want to catch a veterans attention, cut them. Then everyone in the locker room all of a sudden wakes up like you're playing for jobs. Now you're not playing for laps. That's why this bullshit false college type of punishment doesn't work in the NFL because they're still getting paid. They're not on scholarship. They don't live on campus. They they don't do all this rah, rah type of BS. No, to a man, they want to collect their paycheck. They want to win football games and they want to collect paychecks. If you can't hold them to that standard, I'm just saying that, you know, Joe Judge may be a good coach, but Jason Garrett should have been fired after last year, in my opinion, for them not to move the pocket, for them not to run RPOs. Daniel Jones is not Lamar Jackson. 
he's a little bit better of a thrower of the football. He's not nearly in the same stratosphere as a runner, but he's a really, really good runner. So why Daniel Jones is not utilized more in the run game and you don't move that pocket with that terrible offensive line is beyond me. But to me, Washington looked like a bad football team. The Giants looked like a worse football team. You know, pretty soon the Giants and the Washington football team will be looking up at the other two teams in the standings mighty quickly, in my opinion. There you are. Uh, yeah. Uh, to your point about Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones, uh, look, Jones finished not for nine for 95 on the ground uh, running the ball. Washington had no answer for Jones's uh, for Jones's legs, and, to, and you know as much shit I give Daniel Jones, his mobility is something that I've often praised um, and should be more utilized. And you've seen it uh, in that game. They had so many RPOs where he ran to the left, and he'd get chunk plays after chunk plays, and he should have had another rushing touchdown, but a, a you know holding call happened down the field and took it away. Uh, but nonetheless, after that interception, to not call one RPO yeah. is just criminal to me. Um, look, I, I think about what Robert Salah said when he was asked about sort of uh, accountability uh, early on in training camp, and his words kind of still reign true to me. Um, you can't force accountability. You have to teach accountability. Uh, and Joe Judge feels like he is forcing accountability. But he, the forcing accountability does not breed results. Uh, teaching accountability um, – I feel like is more, it's something that sits in someone's brain longer. It's something that people can actually learn from. It's not just, Oh, I made a mistake. I got to go run a lap. Okay. Well, what did you do on that mistake? How can you prevent yourself from making that mistake again in the future? That is a teaching moment. That is not just you, you bad, go run. Like it's not that simple. It's more complicated than that. And I think Joe judge is losing sight of that. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Sterling Shepard. He's been unbelievable so far this yes. year. I believe he's top five in the league in catches. He had nine for 94 in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is going to continue to be that way. He's clearly Dan Jones' favorite target. Saquon Barkley still not a, even close mm-hmm. to 100% in this game. He had 13 for 57 with a long of 41. So <laughs> I would say this is going to be a long year for Saquon Barkley. Important to note, too, the Giants lost one of their best offensive linemen, Nick Gates, in the second quarter of this game. He had a full-blown Alex Smith injury that no one even talked about because they didn't show it on TV, which I appreciate. Um, If you saw the replay, because I I seek the replay, I just need to see it one time. Uh, He had a compound fracture in both his fibula and tibia, and his leg was basically at a right angle. Not good. Uh, He's out for the year for sure. Um, So the Giants offensive line settled in, actually, after that and played decent. I agree with you there. Um, Also, I feel like we have to mention Taylor Heineke in this game before we move on because Taylor Heineke in his second ever start his first ever regular season start um look I'm not saying it's perfect I'm not saying it's even that great but the competitiveness is there and the gamesmanship is there the guy is clearly a gamer uh 34 46 336 yards two touchdowns and a pick uh look he fed Terry McLaurin 11 for 107 Jamie McKissick made a huge play in the fourth quarter. He had six for 83 with a 56 yarder. And then the the touchdown throw he made to Ricky Seals Jones um, (laughs) was a great throw and an even better catch by Ricky Seals Jones to get his feet in bounds. Um, I think this team really can get behind Taylor Heineke, maybe even more so than they could have fits. I don't know what it is about Heineke. I think every throw he makes is uh, high. I think a lot of them are ducks, but sometimes you just have it. And I don't know if it's sustainable, but ultimately my, my, my hat goes off to Taylor Heineke, a hell of a story to get to the NFL. NFL and uh, get his first win. Yep, yep, it's a good story, and I, I think you can get behind him. He's a good, he's a nice story, but man, this team is so limited by the quarterback in Washington. Yep. 
it, it'll be sad to see where this team ends up because they, they're a lot better roster than what I think their final record is probably going to indicate. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's not afraid. I like that about the, you know, you come in there and you're an undrafted free agent and you're a practice squad guy, you go in there. A lot of these guys are intimidated by the speed of the game and so many other things. And he came in there and you don't get that vibe from him at all. So I respect that. All right. I'm, I'm finally done talking about this game. And I think the people watching our show right now are thankful for that as well. And I'm, I'm, over the Giants, I'm sick of them. I'm been sick of them. Fire Dave Gettleman. Fire Jason Garrett. Get them all out of my life. One um, more year. One no. more year. How about for every game that Dave Gettleman is still the GM, Andy Dalton starts for the Bears. Uh, and then you have a deal. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, well, it's not even going to happen because they already said field to start next week, which is a perfect transition into our rapid recap, recap now to the rest of the Sunday games. We're going to start in Chicago and the Bears uh, get their first win over the Bengals 20 to 17. And Matt, this this game comes down to me uh, on three consecutive throws by Joe Burrow uh, that all landed in the hands of Bears defenders. And one is a pick six by your favorite to win defense player of the year, Roquan Smith. Um, Fields did get playing time in this game after Andy Dalton left with a knee injury. He didn't look great, but nonetheless, Bears defense um, gave Burrow fits, and they ended up winning this game 20-17. to 17. Uh, What are some of your takeaways? We're back, baby! <laughs> the Bears! Uh, Randy, I, I had to put on the sunglasses because the future is... Oh, no, did, his, did your mic get cut off here, Matt? I can't hear you anymore. Oh, Matt Bushel. Heck. He's back. back. He got tech- yeah, he got too excited. It caused technical difficulties on the show. Come on, Matt. Okay. I, I do have to apologize. I did get a little excited. <laughs> but as I was saying, Chicago Bear fans, you, you need to pump your damn brakes for a second with this kid, Justin Fields. Um, really, we don't know what he's going to be, what he is. I felt that starting Andy Dalton for the first eight games made a lot of sense, or at least until the bye week. Because there's parts of his game where you still kind of see it. I could break down numerous things on this tape. But he was looking for the deep shot. Deep shot wasn't there. He started running. He threw a terrible interception. But you know what? Rookies make that interception. The linebacker made a great play. I want to see the game film before I really dig hard on him on that interception. But, you know, it just wasn't a good look. But this goes back to the same damn thing I said when when they drafted him. I don't like the coaching staff for this kid. Randy, pre-show, we talked about it. The same type of um, traits for a quarterback, Justin Fields, Mitch Trubisky. Justin Fields is a lot better than Mitch Trubisky in all of those traits, but it's the same style of quarterback, and you wanted to draft him when you had the previous guy here who you refused to move the pocket. Did you see Justin Fields roll out and throw you know passes on bootlegs and then move the pocket? Um, they had a little bit of RPO stuff in there, but not a whole lot. It's just dumbfounding to me why this coach gets a pass. And this Sunday will be a big indication. We'll get that to our, to our um, thing, our look forward. But man, the defense saves this fucking coach so many times. 2018, they went 12 and four, not because of his offense, but because of that defense. 2019, they went 8-8 eight and eight because of that defense, and that defense was a shell of itself. 2020, they made the playoffs. Anybody want to guess why? Because of the defense. 
this defense had to get every single one of those turnovers because the offense could only score seven fucking points without a turnover. They kicked two field goals. This is a problem, and it keeps on persisting with this coach that insists on calling plays. They're going to get their ass kicked by the Browns. I, I'm almost positive of that. But this coaching staff needs to get their shit together because this is not how you run a team. You cannot survive with your offense only scoring seven points, especially with this kid. Looks like he's taking over the starting quarterback job. Bengals, you got a lot of shit to get straight. That offensive line's pathetic. You know, you can't let Joe Burrow just get mauled back there like he did. That's pathetic. Tayshawn Gibson, Robert Quinn, those two personal foul penalties realistically could have come back and cost you the game. Touching Joe Burrow when he's clearly out of bounds, Robert Quinn. You played a nice game, but that was stupid. And then Tayshawn Gibson and this taunting penalty. I hate the taunting penalty, Randy. Oh, it's so bad. It, it is awful, but it is what it is. You don't clap on top of the wide receiver's face when he drops the pass. I mean, that's just common sense at this point. Like, if you don't think you're not going to get taunting for that, I don't know what the hell you think you're going to get taunting for. But – Fact remains, Bears win, barely, not a great game to watch, very ugly. Matt Nagy gets his ass saved by the defense for the hundredth time. Yay, Bears. The quarterback lines for both sides here are not great. The combined Fields oh, and Dalton uh, are 15 of 24 for 83 yards, a touchdown and a pick. The line looks better. Allen Robinson did drop a touchdown in the end zone. Uh, the line does look a little bit better if he, if he was able to bring that home. He ran the ball okay, Montgomery 20-61, Fields on the ground 10 for 31. You like to see that. You want to see more of that when he you know plays this upcoming week. Um, but this game was 100% on the defense. It came down to three consecutive throws by Joe Burrow, like I said, that were all intercepted. So he finishes 19 of 30, 207 yards, two, two, two touchdowns, three picks, and then you know pretty forgettable other than that this game. Uh, it felt like a, a Bears might collapse oh. here, but the defense was able to hang on for you. Um, it, it, sh- it should have been 35 to 10. You know, everything being honest you're right i mean the, the the bears offense has some work to do uh <laughs> your hope if you're a bears fan is that fields can clean up some of those things but i don't even necessarily think dalton was the the problem in this game no so. no it's matt Nagy. it's always been matt Nagy. yeah all right well from one ohio team to another uh let's go to cleveland um where the browns were uh potentially had to lose to the texans early on in this game but uh baker mayfield briefly left this game but he came back and was able to help the Browns get a 10 point victory over the Texans. And Tyrod Taylor did leave, leave this game and did not come back. You got to feel for Tyrod Taylor because uh, he played well in this game and he was playing well to start the season. And I'm not hundred percent sure what the injury was. I don't know if I saw it. You, did you know what it is? Oh God. I think it was a hamstring injury. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And then he, he was, he finished 10 of 11, 125 yards and a touchdown uh, with a 15 yards on the ground. I mean, he was playing really well. Yep. Davis Mills, <laughs> uh, former Stanford quarterback uh, is now going to start on Thursday night football, which we'll touch on. Uh, he finished eight of 18 for 102 yards touchdown pick. Uh, but the Browns went 31 to 21 Baker Mayfield, 19 to 21, 213 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for a touchdown, um, but the Browns did what the Browns do. They ran for 150 plus yards and they played ball control and uh it was good enough to beat the texans today yeah if yes. Ty, yeah if tyrod taylor doesn't get hurt i i think the texans win this game randy mm. what, what he's done as a starting quarterback and we all kind of thought he was an afterthought after san diego or yeah. quarter in the jar <laughs> uh, what he did with the chargers we didn't think it was going to be that great and you know justin herbert came in and just lit the world on fire 
But, you know, Tyrod Taylor's done some really good things. The, the Browns, it's documented. Randy, we talk about it. It's just they missed that explosive weapon. They put up 31 points, and it's nice, but the Texans' defense sucks. I, I think we can say the Chiefs' defense is extremely suspect mm-hmm. at this point. And, you know, th- things are going to get harder. The Browns will go against uh, probably a step up in defense this coming week. But, you know, to me, the Browns need Odell. Like, this is why they traded for him. Mm-hmm. He needs to get healthy. He makes a difference. He really does. Yeah, I think it's important to note that Jarvis Landry got hurt in this game. I believe oh, it's an yeah. ankle problem. And he's going to miss the first game of his career with an injury, uh, which is not remarkable. He's feel like he's been in the league forever. Um, and, you know, this is the week that there, it's rumored that Odell could come back. And I think that's the perfect week to do it. I, like you said, they definitely need him. They need some explosion on the outside. He opens up so much for every, everything else. He would open up more for Harrison Bryant, Austin Hooper, Rashawn Higgins, David Njoku, even Donovan Peoples-Jones. And in the running game itself, um, when you can, you're not able to stack the box when you have outside threats. Uh, and then even if you do stack the box, it opens up more for OBJ and the rest of those weapons to get open. So it's, that, it's all about complimentary football. And the Browns aren't doing a good job of that right now, but I think getting their pieces back will certainly help that. I think Baker Mayfield needs to play a little bit better. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, he did finish 19 to 21. So at the same time, he did play OK. Uh, but I expect more from Baker. He's number one overall pick. And I just I feel like this is the sort of game where he should have had a, a get right stat padding type play type game and then didn't, didn't really happen for him yeah I, and you know just to talk about the texans briefly with that defense i mean we all kind of laughed at david coley getting the job but david coley's kind of bounced around as a coordinator on offense and defense on special teams as well uh, i wonder if the texans are a better defensive team or if baker mayfield's just not that dude because i agree with you this should have been a get right game for baker yeah. And it's still that running game that they have to generate the running game for Baker to be successful, but hats off to Kevin Stefanski, a great mm-hmm. coach, definitely proven his worth. And I think, you know, the narrative is going to shift here uh, about the Browns being better without Odell. If he comes in and helps Baker kind of right the ship on his season here yeah. and uh, help the Browns win the division, which looks like it's a lot harder now with the Ravens being better than we both expected. So mm-hmm. um, Cleveland now on the board and Texans without Tyrod is going to be interesting to see uh, what they're going to be going forward. It could end up being the Texans that we expected after all, but uh, mm-hmm. Hey, if you're a Texas fan, two competitive games off the beginning, I mean, you dominate week one and then you had a real chance to beat Cleveland week two. You can't be mad about that. You gotta be happy. All right, moving on now. And the Rams, uh, now 2-0 on the season after their 27-24 to win over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I expected a bigger win out of the Rams here, but the Colts, um, I feel like, still get up for a game. They still have good coaches. They still have good players on defense. Uh, and they they were they rose to the challenge here. So, uh, to me, the problem is Carson Wentz made some back-breaking, intercept, uh, back-breaking mistakes in this game, including a, a, one of the worst interceptions you'll see. And then Wentz left this game. And something I've never seen before uh, is <laughs> two sprained ankles. Not one, but two. Not the same ankles. play. Yeah, uh, that's pretty hard to believe. <laughs> uh, I feel like he. I, I feel like I, I make obscure SpongeBob references sometimes, but he feels like that guy who's in the uh, the plastic wrap or the ace bandages. He's yeah. like, every day I break my bones. <laughs> my, my, my body's made out of glass. And my, my paper skin. Uh, Garcia certainly feels like that right now. Um, Wentz is. Uh, 
<laughs> that guy's going to be a disaster for them. Jacob Beeson came in was two of five for 25 yards and a pick. So the Colts quarterback issues remain. Stafford didn't play the greatest game ever, but you could tell his relationship with Cooper Cup is blossoming and it is yeah. beautiful. Uh, 19 to 30, 278 yards, two touchdowns and a pick for Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup nine for 163 and two touchdowns. Cooper Cup is so good. I don't think people realize how good Cooper Cup is. And then it's the Rams. I mean, it's and this uh, this feature Matt and this is anyone who's a football junkie one of the best matchups in the trenches that you will see in quentin nelson going on mono mono yeah. against aaron donald and uh it was a battle of all battles and it was a great this is a great game honestly yeah you know the rams made that muff that that punt that ended up being a touchdown that went in the colts favor obviously helped out the score being closer than what it was um interesting talk here who ends up with more touchdowns cooper cup or rob gronkowski both are at four so, I mean, th- th- that's going to be an interesting uh, battle throughout the year. But to me, it just goes back to Matthew Stafford being in complete control of this offense and Carson Wentz being a total, you know what, it was, as he always is. Like, this team has to go to Eason. They could have had Nick Foles, but, you know, all you got to worry about, oh, Carson Wentz's feelings here. You can't have that guy looking over his shoulder. The dude's never healthy. And, you know, Philadelphia right now would be projected to get three top 15, three picks in the top 15. However, if Carson Wentz doesn't play 75% of the snaps, it's not a first rounder, it's a second rounder. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to look like it's the same old Carson Wentz. He's going to miss a bunch of time with these injuries. He doesn't heal fast. There's just a lot of things going on with Carson Wentz where, you know, you feel bad for the Colts because they feel like they have a good roster. Things aren't perfect. We both think that they need another playmaker at the wide receiver position. But if the quarterback's going to hamstring you and that offensive line too, I, you know, I'm just going to say it two years ago, it was really good last year. It was good this year outside of Quentin Nelson. Yeah. It's not very good. They're banged up too. I think Eric yeah. Fisher still is looking to get right on the, on the, on that team too. So uh, clearly the Colts have issues. And uh, Wentz being at the focal point of those issues. I mean, he had foot surgery the same day Nelson did, and they're both playing. Uh, and then Wentz to add to the foot problems now with the ankle issues. I thought he looked gingerly, uh, not to, uh, uh, to make fun of his complexion, but uh, <laughs> with the way he moved in week one. Um, but he especially he's going to look so now if, he, if he's able to move forward. And honestly, if he's so banged up and he can't move around and be, you know, the athletic Carson Wentz that we've seen, which – even at his peak, still had flaws. Why not just throw Jacob Beeson out there until Wentz can be healthy? Because if you're not healthy, your mind's not right. If your mind's not right, you make a lot of key issues. You don't play confidently, and you're seeing that right now with Wentz. Um, one takeaway of the Colts for me is Michael Pittman establishing himself finally as number one receiver there. He had eight for 123. Love to see that. Uh, you're yeah. a USC guy. Finally, we're <laughs> Michael Pittman turning into something here. So even with those quarterback issues, we like to see that. And the Rams, you know, I, I don't know what it was. I, I expected them to win by more, but the Colts, uh, you know, lingered. You know, they, they couldn't put him away. Yeah, I, I love Pittman. I just think he lacks that top end speed to blow off the coverage. Now, he could be a number one, yeah. much like Jarvis Landry is a number one. But yeah. But, but then you got to have somebody on the other side that can just absolutely destroy with speed. And they, I don't think this team has it. 
No, I agree. I definitely agree with you there. All right. Uh, the Rams have a matchup of all matchups coming up this week, and we're going to talk about that in just a bit. All right, moving on to South Southern Florida, where another quarterback left the game early here, and Tua Tagovailoa left with a rib injury, and I believe that they're still, in, still doing tests. <laughs> they didn't say they were broken ribs, right? I believe they were bruised ribs. Yeah. They, they saw recently. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. It's turning into – yeah, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Uh, it, well, you, you know, I am going to say it, Randy. It's a bitch move. Like, grip, okay. Bruised ribs. Come on, Tua. Like, Jesus Christ. So maybe a bruised ego going on here too, Matt, is what you're saying? Yeah, man. It's He got his ass beat by Buffalo. He didn't want to go back out there. You know. Well, hey, Tua didn't play very long. He was one of four for 13 yards before, and he got sacked twice. Uh, I believe he only played a series or two until he left the game, and Jacoby Brissett uh, played the rest of the game, and he did not play amazing by any means either. And how could you believe that? Because uh, the Buffalo Bills, no one circles the wagons <laughs> like the Buffalo Bills. They get a 35 to nothing. We get a shutout in the AFC East matchup, and uh, – this is a bad look for Buffalo uh, for Miami after coming off a big win against New England. And then this is a nice bounce back game for the Bills after losing at home to the Steelers. Um, the Dolphins are in trouble. They have a huge quarterback problem. Jacoby Brissett wearing 14 reminds me too much of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't like that he wears 14. Um, they can't do very little. They can't do a ton offensively by any means. Their defense is good, yes. But when you're put in a position like this where you turn the ball over a couple times and you have an offense like Buffalo's who did not even play great in this game, but they did enough uh, to win. They had three rushing touchdowns. Josh Allen, 17 to 33. Actually, four rushing touchdowns. I think Josh Allen added one as well. Yeah. Um, so Josh Allen didn't play great. 17 to 33, 179 yards, two touchdowns. And then he had five for 35 uh, with a rushing touchdown at the end as well. So, um, look, Bills didn't play great. But even that, when they don't play great, it's still good enough to beat your division <laughs> rival 35 to nothing. Yeah, this felt like a statement game from Buffalo, did it not? Like, they just defense. Put- the defense showed up. Yeah, like they were pissed off about that Steelers game and they made a statement to New England, the Jets and Miami that this is their division and they're not going anywhere. Miami, I thought would have been their closest competition this year and they just totally obliterated them. You know, I I just go back to what Buffalo can be if Josh Allen's consistent and if you're going to give him Stephon Diggs, I don't know Diggs, Diggs' final numbers here. But Josh Allen owns Miami. I mean, you look at the career numbers, they're completely insane. You know, I I think he's 5-0 and versus them now for his career. It's just, you know, you see the owner of the Miami Dolphins is Josh Allen. So, to me, the Bills are the clear-cut favorites. I'm going to chalk that loss up to the Steelers as an aberration. I don't think it means much. Buffalo is still the best team in that division. I agree with you. The Dolphins offensively, um, they, on top of having quarterback issues, the overall talent level isn't great all around. I think, you know, I like Devontae Parker a lot. I like Jalen Waddle a lot. And Jalen Waddle had a decent game here. Um, but without Will Fuller stretching the field, I think that they're very limited offensively. I think Gasicki is a nice tight end, but he ultimately is limited as well. And if you're not, if you're throwing out there Jacoby Brissett and Tua, you're going to have a bad time. And it almost makes me think now is the time for them to approach a Deshaun Watson situation because if Deshaun Watson's not going to get suspended by the league, he's not going to be prosecuted until after the season. It might be worth visiting because I do think he'll elevate the rest of that team around him because the quarterbacks are not doing that right now. I think Flores is too good of a coach to just sit there and let his offense be this bad while his defense 
except for this game, keeps them in most of these games. So um, I'm interested to see what happens with the Dolphins going forward because they had an interesting kind of weird quarterback scenario last year and they still were able to win 10 games, but I don't know. It could fall apart for them this year. So um, we'll see what happens, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if we hear more Deshaun Watson rumors soon on their end. Yeah, agreed. All right. We don't have much to talk about a 35 to nothing blowout. No. Buffalo now one and one, uh, and they have a good matchup coming up this week too. All right, other AFC East matchup. Jacob, it's time for you to, to go away for a few minutes here because <laughs> uh, it is time to talk about a rookie quarterback showdown, uh, the second overall pick against the 15th overall pick, and you would not be able to tell which one was which. ESPN is being loud on my screen right now, so I apologize for that. Um, anyway. Yeah, come on, ESPN, shut up. No one likes you. Yeah, I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, anyway, the <laughs> this was not this is a forgettable game for the the second overall pick and the fifteenth overall pick. But it looked much better, and I'm talking about Zach Wilson, obviously. Um, Matt, while I pull this screen back up in effort to get that uh, yeah, sound yeah. away. Look, talk to me about these Zach Wilson interceptions because my goodness, uh, this guy was very raw, and he looked it in this game particularly. Yeah, to to me, it's just you chalk it up to rookie mistakes. Uh, Bill Belichick it will make life hell on a rookie quarterback. We've seen it time and time again. You know, Mark Sanchez was a top uh, top five pick, believe it or not. He threw four picks against the Patriots. Um, well, interesting stat here is the last four quarterbacks taken in a top five that threw four interceptions in one game were all Jets quarterbacks. Mm, that so, is, so, I'm so sorry, Jets fans. Yeah, maybe you stop drafting quarterbacks after that in the top five. But my goodness, I'll, I'll say this not one game does a quarterback make. You know, I, I think you got to take a look at a larger picture. Zach does some interesting things. I, it's the egotisticalness of it all. And I, I think he needs to calm down a little bit and be more of a student of the game. Like, you know, it's good to have confidence, but it's also good to admit what you don't know that you don't know it. The Patriots just played a lot of coverage. They mixed it up. They'll show you something on pre-snap then post-snap boom, they're out of it. They may show you cover one pre-snap then drop into cover two post-snap. They, they'll bracket tight ends, they'll, you know, do bubble coverages, clouds, all, all sorts of fun stuff that will confuse a rookie quarterback to no end. So what Zach Wilson did isn't really a surprise to me when it comes to the Patriots. I, honestly, two of those picks should have been caught by the receivers. I watched the tape on those two of those picks. If you're a wide receiver, it hits both your hands, you got to catch it. That, that's kind of my motto. It, I, I get it that it's tough, but you're the best of the best. You know, you have two hands, it hit your hands. That's you got to catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one where he just chucked it deep, th- that's the most disturbing one in my book. Because, like, all right, there's a guy running a fly route, but it wasn't even close to the fly route. No. And it just hung up in the air for ages. It was just like one, 1,000, two, 1,000. Like they were playing 500. Um, hopefully, some of you kids get that. but that one was the worst interception of them all in my book threw into double triple coverage on that play hard to see on the tv copy so the game film may give us a little bit more information on that the coach's film but man i'm gonna give wilson a break here because i'm also gonna give a couple of other guys a break mac jones didn't look good i mean he's Mm -hmm. just a safe quarterback no touchdowns no picks 
I mean, he doesn't really do anything for you. And once again, um, it was 25 to six and Damian Harris gets that touchdown. You know, it's not a whole lot of Mac Jones here either. So to me, I give Wilson credit for trying, you know, the kid is trying, he's trying to play his butt off. He's trying to will this team into better positions. Michael Carter looked good from a running back perspective. I think that's got a lot of upside, but this wide receiver position for the jets, you know, we thought Corey Davis was going to come in here and be a number one. It it still looks not that great for them. So a lot of work to be done on that roster. I'm surprised Denzel Mims can't get some more playing time for them. He looked promising last year. I don't know what's going on there. I have a hard time taking Zach Wilson seriously. And it's, it's hundred percent his face and what he looks like. He, <laughs> he looks like a child. Um, and, and, and Jacob said that all off season is that he looks like Jimmy Clausen. He looks like Jimmy Clausen if Jimmy Clausen was 12. Like he, he, lo- he has the most baby face, the youngest face in football. I think I've ever seen. He doesn't look intimidating. You know, he just looks like a kid. And uh, I, I just, and then with the headband, they gotta lose the headband. Like, especially with the tied off in the back, I'm never going to be able to take you seriously. Um, the four picks, Look, I know New England makes it tough for rookie quarterbacks. Some of those are just terrible decisions. Some of those are bad mistakes. Um, some of them look like the Patriots defender was the intended target. <laughs> that's, that's not ideal. And I, I know it's one game. One game does not define a person's career. So um, to me, if you're a Jets fan, the one thing, the few things you take away, like you said, Michael Carter looked good. And then the defense, I thought the defense really played well yeah. in this game and they looked fast and I felt they really kept them in this game because 25 to six is a much closer game than you would think with someone through four, four interceptions. Um, I'm really impressed by the Jets defense and Salah has really made an impact there. You can tell Mac Jones, the guy is the definition of a game manager. Uh, <laughs> he's not going to kill you with mistakes. He's not going to do anything that really wins you the game much either. So um, 22 or 30, 186 yards, like you said, no touchdowns, no picks. Damian Harris, one of the best angry runs you'll see. I mean, oh, he, yeah. oh, I love him. I was all in on him all offseason. That made me so happy to see. So not much else to say about this game. Uh, Zach Wilson needs to clean it up. And this is on the Jets, too, because you know what the Jets could really use right now? As a veteran quarterback to help Zach Wilson. Who is their quarterback? Is Joe Flacco? Is he still around? I, I don't know. I, no, uh, no, I, I don't think Flacco's with them even. I, I couldn't tell you who the backup quarterback for the Jets is. Jacob, but, quick, who's the backup quarterback for the Jets? Yeah, in the comments, Jacob, please tell us. There's, it's criminal they don't bring in someone like Nick Foles, who has had success in the league, who won a Super Bowl, uh, who can sort of guide Wilson and help him out. I, I know the narrative is, oh, no older veteran wants to help a young guy. Bullshit. Um, Foles would absolutely come in there and help Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson clearly needed to be taken out of this game. I know people dis- probably disagree with me there, but he probably should have got taken out for yeah. his own mental health <laughs> and, and confidence moving forward. Um, Mike White is their back. <laughs> who the hell is Mike White? <laughs> what so wow. to, me, to me they need they needed to take wilson out of this game and they had no option to do that because mike freaking white is their backup quarterback oh jesus yeah for, I, I mean jets fans have given joe douglas a lot of credit but yeah. what he did to zach wilson here is criminal and I, i'm just gonna say you know we talked about it you know at nauseum randy all of these quarterbacks that were drafted needed to sit except yeah. for Trevor Lawrence. And now we're starting to see, and I know we'll get to it, but Trevor Lawrence looks like he needs to sit. <laughs> this 
that this class was not ready to come in and play for a variety no. of reasons. No, you're right. And, you're absolutely right. And what, what Joe Douglas did to Zach Wilson here is a damn shame because I think Zach Wilson played at BYU, which is not a great school. I mean, it is what it is. This year, they're, they're good. This year, BYU can play a little football. But Zach Wilson was just kind of like, yeah, he's a guy. I, there's a reason why you can start a rookie defensive end and not start a quarterback. A rookie defensive end doesn't know, doesn't need to know what the safety is doing on his own team, yeah. let alone what the offense is doing all the preach. time. Preach, preach. A, a, a rookie quarterback's got to know everything. And that, that's too much for a lot of these guys. I mean, the guy had 10 starts at BYU, right? I mean, what are we talking about here? He barely had any college experience. So, yeah, just it, it's criminal. It's sad that they put him in this situation. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, we're going to move on, Jacob. You're, it's safe to come back now. Maybe our friend Henry will come back because it's now time to talk about his San Francisco 49ers who took care of business in Philadelphia on Sunday. This was one of our upsets. The Eagles let us down, Matt. Uh, the Niners won this game 17-11. to 11. Uh, To me, you know, the, the Niners offense didn't look too impressive in this game. They had injuries to all of their running backs somehow. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, maybe it's the running back God saying, we do matter, damn it, uh, which I will fight back on all the time. But uh, nonetheless, Jimmy Garoppolo, 22-30, 189 yards and a touchdown. No uh, no Trey Lance at all in this game, by the way. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll just uh, be a guy who plays when the game's out of reach or when they're down or whatever, um, but also a guy they're probably handling the right way. And then the, on the Eagles, then Jalen Hurts, 12-23, 190 yards, zero touchdowns in the air, and he had 10 for 82 and a touchdown on the ground. So Hurts remains a dual-threat guy who I still thought played decent in this game, considering only having 11 points. Uh, he had a, a nice throw to Watkins, who had a 91-yard play, who ended up not scoring, uh, which cost him a touchdown there. Uh, and then they had, he had a nice throw to Devontae Smith, which I think I called back. So uh, the Eagles, I, I feel like that's a, a, a rookie head coach type game here because I feel like they had a decent game plan, just didn't execute the way they should have. And the Niners defense, they're healthy now, and they're showing you that when they're healthy, uh, these are the kind of games that they can have. So um, Niners, 2-0 now. Yeah, I, I think this game, I, I don't take it as a huge mark against Philadelphia because they played no, them tough. Yeah. yeah, and I think when you take a look at Philly, th- th- there's encouraging signs there. They're young. They're young and they're raw. Th- this is going to take some time, but they get a lot of draft capital. So they'll be able to shore up some things. I think Philly is going to be on the rise sooner rather than later. For me, if I'm a 49ers fan, I, I, I would take off my Homer hat. I would take off my chain, Henry. Um, you know, I, I would stop with the terrible slogans, the terrible awful memes, it, just all of that. Because Oof. at this point, you have to be concerned right now because Jimmy Garoppolo missed, you know, some very important throws that would have changed the entire complexion of this game from a tight game to a complete blowout and would have took that crowd out of this game immediately. The defense did what it had to do. But Brandon Ayuk only getting, I think, two targets the entire game. Um, Debo had a nice game. But really, offensively, if you're going to compete, and, and the bar right now, for me, in the NFC West is with the Cardinals and those pesky Rams, they're putting up just about 30 points a game in their sleep. That's where you have to get to. 
and the 49ers to me look offensively challenged. And this is a bigger indictment on Kyle Shanahan, I think as well, because for him being labeled as this offensive genius, the record is what it is. Bill Parcells used to say, you, you are what your record says you are. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan's a losing coach. Mm. You know, th- th- that cannot be forgotten. Every year in San Francisco has been losing seasons except for that Super Bowl season. Four to five. At, at, at some point, there's got to be responsibility taken by the head coach to say, you know what, I have to do better. For all the credit we give them, all the running plays, all this, you know, magnificent offense. You can't go into Philadelphia and only score 17 points. You can only blame the players for so long. If Jimmy G isn't that dude, mm-hmm. then why didn't you be more aggressive than Matthew Stafford? Like, why did you let the Rams get him? To, to me, this is a team that loves its roster and overvalues its players and overvalues what it can do in the draft. I get it. You'd have to give up draft capital but you have more draft ammunition than the fucking Rams and you just let the Rams just get Matthew Stafford. And that was the end of it. So to me, I I think you need to start taking a look at this team with a, with a little bit more of a critical lens than just saying, Oh, you know, we're the fifth best team in the league because you're not, you only beat the Eagles by six points. Let that sink in. And the play I'm thinking of that got called back, by the way, was a touchdown pass to Jalen Rager. which obviously would have won the game for Philly, um, which got called back on a a penalty. And then they also had another play in the red zone where they called a Philly Philly special. Uh, I don't know why they're still calling the Philly special with uh, Doug Peterson gone and and that whole team gone. And Greg Ward would throw a ball in the area of Jalen Hurts. But nonetheless, uh, Philly had chances to win this game, and they didn't, and the Niners did win this game. Uh, But you're right, 100%. Uh, I know Kyle Shanahan is supposed to be one of the best coaches in the league. I don't dispute that. But at the end of the day, uh, you eventually have to put this together and and win some games. And they're 2-0, so I'm not totally mad about that. But uh, it feels like there are other teams in the league better than them right now. And it's amazing what's happened here. I mean, Raheem Mostert out for the year with a knee knee problem, and then you st- uh, Mitchell was the big waiver wire pickup, and he gets 17 for 42. He leaves this game with an injury. Hasty comes in. He's 5 for 38. He then leaves this game with an injury. <laughs> and Trey Sermon, the guy they picked in the third round, finally gets a carry. He had one for eight yards, and then he gets hurt on that play too. So I don't know what the Niners did to the running back odds yeah. here, but uh, they have somebody named Trey Terrence. I don't know, Cannon, who got a carry for minus one yard. You're going to see, by the way, Kyle Juszczyk be the starting running back for the 49ers <laughs> probably. It might uh, be good. Yeah, and he's a good he's a good fullback, so I have no doubt he'll be fine. Um, but he'll end up getting hurt somehow too. Watch, <laughs> seems to be the trend here with the Niners. Um, but hey, this was a good game between two teams that I think are are pretty good, and uh, I, the Eagles ended up being better than I expected. So um, you know, I do think the Eagles will stick around and be a problem for a lot of teams in the NFC. So yeah, yeah, and, and you know, by no means do I want to take anything away from the Eagles, but I, I think it is a bigger indictment on the 49ers when you have a chance. And I go back to the Lions game too. Good teams that you know have that killer instinct, they don't let the Lions come back and score. What was it, 28 unanswered points? And had a chance to tie it at the end. Yeah, at, at some point, you got to put your foot on the damn neck and choke them out. 49ers haven't done that. No, not at all. Uh, two and oh, so I'm sure you know Henry's not going to apologize for two and oh, but uh, no, they some shouldn't. Things, some things that you probably should be concerned about if you're a 49ers fan going forward. 
All right, moving on uh, to, I think it's an upset, but maybe it's not an upset <laughs> at this point. I don't know. But uh, two classic franchises going at it in Pittsburgh, PA, the Oakland, the Oakland, another quarter in the jar here it is, Las yep. Vegas Raiders going into Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers 26 to 17. And, you know, we always talk about uh, MVP narratives, but I guess after week two, if there's an MVP narrative, it is Derek Carr. And then that did shock it up to me not seeing this one coming. <laughs> Uh, he finished 28 to 37, 382 yards and two touchdowns. Derek Carr has led off to an unbelievable start to the season here. Um, and on the flip side, Ben Roethlisberger has had a bit of a forgettable start. I would say 27 of 40, 295 yards, touchdown and a pick. He looks washed every time he takes a snap, each time he drops back. Um, but hey, the Raiders defense looked damn good in this game. The offense, um, they didn't run the ball particularly well, but they did not have Josh Jacobs. So that's important to note. But Derek Carr between uh, Henry uh, Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, I mean, the guy is slinging it all over the field and he's playing really well. And then the defense also stepped up. I mean, the Raiders 2-0 now. I mean, we thought the AFC West was deep already, and they might just make it another maybe another contending team in there to make the playoffs. I did not necessarily see this coming for John Gruden, um, and maybe the Steelers are who we thought they were too, Matt. Yeah, I, I, you know me. I'm not high on the Steelers. I, I bashed them all offseason. I still think they're wildly overrated. Um, it's a team that doesn't scare me at, at all, not in the slightest. Um, defensively, they can make things uncomfortable for you, but that's about it. Now, I, I feel obligated to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders for a minute. <laughs> you know, I just wonder, like, John Gruden's either a mastermind or an idiot, and I can't figure <laughs> out which one. I think like, I have the answer, but go on. <laughs> he, he turns Derek Carr into this. If, if, I mean, Derek Carr's always had talent. Let, let's yeah. not say that that's – I mean, he's got talent. The kid can play football, but he wasn't at this level before Gruden. So Gruden gets him to this level, and it just feels like Gruden doesn't want him. It's like you, – you, <laughs> You, you found this girl, Randy, and you know it's just, she's got some minor things that you don't like, but but you work on her. But man, she's drop dead gorgeous. Her personality's great. You fixed all those quirks, so now she's just like one of the most perfect women that you could possibly be with, and you don't want her. Like I, I don't understand this. Like uh, honestly, Derek Carr might end this season being a top five quarterback in the NFL crazy after everything said and done and john gruden still wants to get rid of them this is freaking bizarre world for a coach that has constantly searched for a franchise quarterback he yep. had rich gannon for a couple years but gannon was long in the tooth so then he went mm -hmm. to tampa won a super bowl with brad johnson and then just searching for a quarterback drafting quarterback after quarterback rookies he had chris sims Phil's kid, as you know, Randy, mm -hmm. he had Mike Glennon down there, like just all these quarterbacks. He had a uh, Freeman. What was that guy's name? Yeah. Uh, Josh Freeman. Josh Freeman. I remember that was a big deal. I don't know if he, he might've been even gone by that point, but. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's what it is though. It's like, we can name a bunch of quarterbacks. He's probably had them and he's never been satisfied with them. Yeah. And then the one guy that is just blossoming in his offense, that's doing everything that he possibly can. And he doesn't want them. I don't get this. I mean, we talked about it last year. Derek Carr was, uh, you know, top 10-ish quarterback last year. And it went pretty under the radar, I feel like. Yep. And the Raiders were so 
you know, inconsistent and left you wanting so much more that you kind of got overlooked how good Derek Carr was. And I mean, this is, he did, he's doing this with not much of a running game. I mean, this is a second straight game. They don't have a hundred yards on the ground. I mean, they picked Henry Ruggs, who was like the third best receiver in the draft before <laughs> Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. And he's turning Ruggs into something here. I mean, Darren Waller, I mean, you know, his story is one of the best tight ends. Is, is Darren Waller one of the best tight ends in the league if he doesn't have Derek Carr? Like it's a good conversation yeah. to have, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if, if Derek Carr doesn't play as well as he has, like, is Darren Waller a guy that we talk about that way? And I don't really know. Um, I mean, Carr still did fumble twice in this game. Mind you, I shouldn't mention that. He did, he did lose one. But overall, I, I don't know how you can be angry with how Derek Carr has played. And to your point, I mean, Gruden, just every time he talks about him, it's like, oh, uh, he might want to move on. He doesn't like the contract. And he's just he's always wanting more. Like, I, I predicted Rodgers would end up in Vegas because I just feel like Gruden hates Derek Carr. <laughs> but Derek Carr has played re- pretty well for them. I'm, I'm just surprised. And I mean, this is against the Steelers defense who really gave it to Josh Allen last week too. So, I mean, this, that's what makes it even more impressive to me. And uh, on the actually, road, it was on in the road. Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, tough place to play. Uh, and, and he did it. So um, uh, this game was all the Derek Carr game for me. Yeah. Um, TJ Watt did leave this game. I should point out. And I don't know what the status of him is going forward. Obviously, if you don't have TJ Watt, Pittsburgh's defense is a little bit more uh, handleable, I should say, but um, the Steelers, man, they have too much talent to be this lackluster on offense. It's in my opinion. I know Ben is washed, but Najee Harris looked good in this game. He didn't yeah. run the ball that great, but he made a nice play and caught a touchdown pass. Uh, Deontay Johnson, nine for 105. Claypool, three for 70. Juju, six for 41. I mean, these guys, they're running an offense that just is not as explosive as it should be. And it basically comes down all down to the quarterback to me. Yeah. Well, I, I think the offensive line is not very yeah. good. So that with a bad quarterback is not so you know Claypool I think has a lot of talent immensely talented Deontay yeah. Johnson is a fantastic wide receiver I love that kid Juju is probably a little bit overrated more name than substance at this point possibly I think they agree because they only gave him a year and seven million for, <laughs> yeah. for a contract so yeah which is you know good deal for the Steelers I think in that in that mm-hmm. realm um, and then Najee Harris. Gave one of the most ferocious stiff arms I've seen in oh, a yeah. long time. Lord have mercy. Um, he took that Oakland Raiders uh, defensive back and just put him to sleep. So <laughs> to, to me, you know, Pittsburgh, it's a bad offensive line with a bad quarterback. Th- that defense is good, you know, but you can't sustain an injury to TJ Watt. You just, that, that that's going to kill you. And I know they got Melvin Ingram and, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick's good. But to to me, Pittsburgh is just old in the tooth in too many key positions. And if TJ Watt goes down, this is a really bad football team. I think Steelers fans, if you came in and said, hey, you'll be one and one after two weeks, they'd probably expect that. They probably would have assumed, hey, we beat, we lose to Buffalo and beat Vegas and just kind of flipped. So, um, you know, Steelers, um, I don't know. I, I feel like with Ben and the offensive line, it's a recipe for disaster and it might not end well for them this year. All right. We're going to move on. We still have plenty of games to talk about. And we were already an hour in. We were going, still going strong here, Bush. Noble. Maybe let's pick up the pace. And then we need to talk a ton about this game. But your boy, Jameis Winston, might have forgot his contacts because he, he did not look like the Alpha Omega Winston that we expected to see from him. Uh, and they go into Carolina and lose 26 to 7. And hey, maybe Sam Darnold is good after all. I don't know what's going on here, but he finished 26 to 38, 305 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and one pick. And it might help that he has Christian McCaffrey. That guy 
guy's pretty good. He has 24 <laughs> for 72 in a touchdown, and he adds five for 65 in the air. DJ Moore, also pretty good. I mean, one of the more underrated receivers in the league, eight for 79 in a touch. Uh, and then Darnold just playing confidently here with Matt Rule and Joe Brady. And, I mean, if, the, if if somehow the Panthers can turn Darnold into a competent quarterback, Joe Brady's going to be a head coach next year. Uh, and, you know, this is that Ryan Tannehill effect that we talked about. You take a guy away from Adam Gase, you're not really sure. And, and <laughs> the sky is the limit for you at that point. Uh, so maybe that's what we're seeing here. Uh, but Jameis, 11 of 22, 111 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, sacked four times. Uh, you're not getting a ton out of Alvin Kamara, who had eight carries for just five yards. And then he has four catches for 25 yards. So you need more from Kamara in this spot. But it came out not long before the game that they had 11 staff and co- uh, between coaches and players out on the COVID-19 list. And that just felt like this is going to be too much for the Saints to overcome. And it was. So I don't know if this is a throwaway week for the Saints, but the Panthers look awfully good right now. Yeah, um, that virtual reality Panther has these Panthers <laughs> on a different level. Um, all right. So let me touch on the Saints real quick. I, they had four players missing from the starting defense. And I, you know, I, I'm going to tip my cap to Darnold. I, I thought he played extremely well. You know, competition matters. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying the game would have turned out differently because Jameis probably played that bad. Um, but to me, the Saints are just in this really difficult position because between Hurricane Ida, the COVID mm-hmm. cases, just like not being able to settle into a routine. It's almost like they're living out of a hotel right now. And and that's always hard to overcome, you know, for a team that really has gone through some transition. I know Winston's back from last year. He was the backup, um, Taysom Hill. But, you know, you get a big win against the Packers, kind of a letdown game. You hate to see it. But a team that isn't like top tier, uh, you kind of almost, I want to say, expect something like this, especially with all those guys out. Mm-hmm. Now, the Panthers, on the other hand, I really like what they did with Sam. And I think what you can take a look at this is, you know, there's this saying, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Yep. And, and that's what's going on with Sam. It's a lot of quick reads, find the open guy. They're not asking him to go through these complex plays. They're putting guys in motion so Sam can differentiate between man coverage and zone coverage, and he's able to find his guy. And Joe Brady and Matt Rule have done a fantastic job in coaching some of those dumb throws out of him. Now, it's two games. And, you know, I saw Sam with USC as I'm an avid USC fan, and I saw Sam with the Jets far more too often than what I'd like to admit. Mm -hmm. And those mistakes just kept on going. So for me – two games doesn't erase six years, you know, like it's going to have to be a little bit longer than this, but I I will give credit where credit is due. Sam is on the right path. It's good to see. And he has the right weapons and God CMC is a man. (laughs) CMC is uh, the best running back in the league. And it's not, uh, not really that close. And yeah, I mean, look, like you said, two games does not overcome six years, but it's an encouraging start. And, uh, you know, you're not seeing a lot of the same issues that he's had previously. So you're happy about that. Uh, Jameis, on the other hand, this is a forgettable game for him, and you hope that he can just turn the corner and make it right this week. And he does have a tough Patriots defense to face, so uh, that'll be interesting to see what happens. But Jameis feels like a guy where he's sort of Rain Man-ish to me, yeah. where it doesn't really matter how tough the defense is. I feel like he can just make plays and not be bothered about it by, by a ton. So maybe they get some guys back and they end up playing better. And if not, they get, they get to go home back to New Orleans for week four, and they get that uh, 
very lack of resistance Giants defense to get right on. So that'll be nice for them too. And like to your point, they've been living in hotels for the last month and uh, you know, no other team in the league has had to deal with anything quite like that. So I'm yeah. uh, not too worried about the saints, but uh, I expected more from them in there, but maybe the Panthers are better than I thought. Yeah. So, all right, moving on the Denver Broncos now two and zero on the season after their 23 to 13 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars and Teddy Bridgewater continues to prove uh, Vic Fangio right on his decision to start him He's 26 of 34, 328 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, this guy has been off to a really good start in his season. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence has been off to a little bit forgettable start in his season, <laughs> just 14 of 33, 118 yards, one touchdown and two picks. Um, I know we're probably going to kill Lawrence here. I'm going to give Lawrence a bit of a pass. I think, you know, when you look at the passing statistics, the volume for Lawrence is far greater than any other rookie quarterback. Uh, in fact, the only one quarterback has had more pass attempts on the season than Trevor Lawrence, and that is Tom Brady. So they're clearly putting a lot on Lawrence's shoulders, and they're only doing it with, you know, they're the Jaguars. They don't have a great offensive line. They have their best receiver right now is Marvin Jones Jr. So I do think Lawrence is being put in a situation to fail, uh, and Urban Meyer is not doing necessarily a great job to help him succeed but um this game is more about the broncos to me than it is about the jags uh, i just think the broncos are really well-rounded as like we said uh javante williams and melvin gordon combined for almost 100 yards on the ground look it's not perfect but it gets the job done and then this is a Cortland sutton bounce back game i mean we love this guy missed all of 2020 with a, i believe he blew his achilles out or an ankle injury or something i remember exactly what it was AC was ACL. He had nine for 159 in this game. I mean, love to see Cortland Sutton back, especially with Jerry Judy going. You expected him to make an impact. And I said Tim Patrick was my waiver wire pickup of the week. He had three for 37 and a touchdown there. So we love that. Noah Fan, four for 33 and a touchdown. And the Broncos, 2 0, and they get the Jets at home next week. The Broncos are in an ideal situation right now in the AFC West. And the Jags, man, they just they have some work to do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I'll admit I watched the condensed version of this game because I just yeah. don't want to sit through it. Vic Fangio is a professional coach, just yeah. flat out professional, knows how to run a team. I watched the Jaguars, Randy. I, I don't know what they're doing offensively. None of it makes sense. It's like he's Urban Meyer's trying to mix a college offense with a professional <laughs> offense, and it's just muddled. You're asking Trevor Lawrence to do five-step drops and read the entire field for, you know, look, Trevor Lawrence is a, a really good, good, good quarterback. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are going to trash him. Like you, I'm not going to. Like I said, there's a couple quarterbacks, mostly the rookie quarterbacks this week I'm giving a pass to because I think all of them are put in some really difficult, difficult situations to succeed. And Trevor Lawrence may be in the most difficult situation to succeed because to me, the Jaguars play like there's a coach with one foot out. And I'm not sure if that makes sense to people, but I'm not sure. Like Urban Meyer is making all these statements, uh, you know, it seems like over the top telling fans to be patient. We'll get this right. You know, that he's here to stay. How do these things even leak? You know, to me, it just looks miserable for him in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It's a long contract. I don't know what he does after this year. I don't think it matters, but Trevor Lawrence needs a professional coach. And at it, least it, a professional offensive coordinator, because something's got to change here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing for him. James Robinson is just completely awful, but they don't make a commitment to run the football. 
It's yeah. like they run it a few times and it doesn't work. Like, oh, well, we can't do that. So let's not run the football anymore. And, you know, against Vic Fangio, you got Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's like Bill Belichick going against Zach Wilson. Vic Fangio is going to have his way with rookie quarterbacks, you know, 10 times out of 10. He's just that good. And yep. with that defense and that secondary, Patrick Sertain, congratulations, sir. Your first interception of your blossoming Hall of Fame career, possibly. Mm. Uh, but, you know, just it's the Broncos. Good game by the Broncos. Do not sleep on this team. I'm certainly not going to. I mean, Robinson, 11 carries for 47 yards. I don't know why they stopped run, trying to run the ball with him. It's, it's just infuriating, honestly. The, the, a, a rookie quarterback's best friend is a, is a running game. Yep. They're not really helping him much at all. And I know Lawrence is going to get killed because he's been dubbed the, the next coming of Jesus, basically. Um, but he's really been put in a bad situation to start off in his career. Yeah, there's a lot of other situations he could have landed in. And he would have been so much better off, but freaking Jaguars. Eh. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, Denver looking like our uh, prediction for them is going to be coming true here. They look pretty good to start. All right. Moving on to the team that represents your state of Arizona. And boy, oh boy, did they get lucky in this one. Uh, 34 to 33 over the Minnesota Vikings. And if our friend Lucas Albert is watching, I am so sorry. Uh, but this game came down to the, le- the leg and the foot of Greg Joseph, and it was not enough. He kicks it wide right as the clock ticks to double zero, and the Cardinals escape with their first home victory on their 2-0 on the season. Boy, oh boy, this game, this was this was a fun one, too. I mean, this the witching hour in those 430 games in red zone was unbelievable. Kyler finished 20, 29 of 36, 400 yards, three touchdowns. Two bad picks, by the way. Um, it really kept Minnesota in this game. Uh, but the one play to Rondell Moore, very few quarterbacks can make the play that Kyler made there, spinning out to his left. Right helps Rondell Moore is wide open on the play, but uh, nice blocking by Christian Kirk. Uh, the Cardinals are a must-watch for me every week just on their offense alone. And then the Vikings, uh, this was almost must-win territory for me after losing to the Bengals in week one. Cousins, 22 with 30, 32, 244 yards, three three touchdowns, no picks. And then Dalvin Cook, 22 carries, 131 yards. He, he played well. I believe he got hurt in this game, too. Um, this was a game that the Vikings desperately needed to have, and this is a game for anyone who wants to abolish kickers. I guess if you're a Vikings fan, you've always wanted to abolish kickers. Mm-hmm. But, man, this is a game the Vikings probably should have. I almost want to make that call on that missed kick, our intro, because that Vikings call <laughs> oh, was so yeah. awesome. <laughs> oh, boy. <sighs> oh, geez. This game, talk about craziness. Kyler is going to be those – so, you know, I, I hate to, you know, verbatim. I'm not going to verbatim the guys down here. But, you know, a couple of the sports guys down here made some pretty good points. Kyler's never going to be the Aaron Rodgers touchdown to interception ratio. I mean, Kyler's going to throw picks because he throws deep a lot. Like he's always going for that Bruce Arians type of no risk it, no biscuit type of philosophy. So with the Andre Hopkins, I get it. Christian Kirk played well. The, the offense did enough to win. To me, the alarming part is this defense. The secondary is just getting torched by you know, leaving Thielen wide open twice. I'm sorry, no, they left Thielen wide open once and then left Justin Jefferson wide open the other time for touchdowns. Like, that, that's how you lose games like this. Yep. The Cardinals' defense leaves a lot to be desired. And Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt, you know, you showed up against Tennessee, but you got to show up against teams like Minnesota too 
because mm-hmm. the offense is going to put up 30. I mean, a, a, every game, I don't care who the Cardinals play at this point, unless someone dies on this offense, <laughs> they are more than capable of putting up 30 points on anybody in this league. Kyler's amazing. DeAndre Hopkins is just completely unreal. AJ Green may not be dead. So that's good news. <laughs> Christian Kirk is a really good slot receiver. And oh my God, they found this little jewel called Rondale Moore, who I spoke highly of in the draft show, who I thought was going to be this hidden gem. And the Cardinals were wise to select him. Mm-hmm. So kudos to the Cardinals. I, I think they're on the right track, but man, that defense better tighten the ship. Yeah. I mean, the defense really doesn't have to be shut down either. Just don't give up more than 30 points in the game and you'll be fine. The Cardinals offense should take care of business for the most part. I mean, Kyler is ridiculous. I mean, he, I didn't even mention he had a rushing touchdown in this game too. You know, he's good for three plus touchdowns every week as long as he's healthy and he's the most unorthodox fun quarterback to watch to me. And I love him. Um, the Vikings now, zero and two, it's getting played early for them. And I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't feel like they're dead, but I feel like now they are going to quickly dig themselves into a hole that's hard to get out of. So yeah, I, the Cardinals I, doing what they have to do though. I mean, the Cardinals are in a tough division and they're going to be relevant all year. The Vikings are, are, I, I'm not calling them dead quite yet. Like I said, but I, I'm not, I'm not feeling too great about them right now. You know, the Vikings, I think is a culture thing. Like, they, feel, they feel like the Falcons they are not as bad as the Falcons, but they got some demons and they can't exercise them. And I think it's going to have to be addition by subtraction. And that's Mike Zimmer getting fired. I, I, I said it before, I think the Bears finished second in that NFC North division just because of how putrid the Vikings are, and Kirk Cousins cannot beat the Bears. We'll find out who, who fights for that second-place spot there. Oh, yeah, the so, so thrilling. Must-see TV there. Um, all right, moving on to uh, a bit of a blowout here in the AFC South, my survivor pick. No issues at all. Thank you, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They cruised to a 48-25 to 25 win. They were two points shy of your 50 call here, Matt Bushnell. 48-25 uh, to 25, uh, is the final. Brady making his case to be the oldest MVP in football history at 44 years old. And I think most of us are pretty sick of the guy at this point. But, I mean, how do you just not uh, respect it at this point, too? I, I'm just – I don't know. I can't even climb up the stairs without being sweaty. So uh, – and I'm not even 30. Uh, Tom Brady, 24-36, 276 yards, five touchdowns. And I think, the, I think there's some – shenanigans going on there and i'll talk about that in a minute um and then matt ryan 35 of 46 300 yards two touchdowns and three picks and one was a classic tip drill that i feel like only happens with the tom brady routine where the the, the safety came in literally punched the ball directly into the air lands into a defender's hands as they waltz into the end zone so hey bucks think bucks get uh bucks get healthy and they, they they like to get fat in the red zone and this is what i mean about some shenanigans going on they get into the red zone they don't even think about running the ball they get to like the three yard line and brady goes let me pad my stats let me throw more touchdown passes like there's 17 games of the season now i bet he's looking at that peyton record and saying i'm going to demolish that and so brady's that kind of guy he's got nine touchdown passes already through two weeks you can't tell me that once they get in the red zone any other team's like oh let's pound the ball let's run the ball not tom brady not the bucks they're like no let's get brady as many touchdowns as we possibly can and that's what happens mike evans caught two fades in the end zone gronk has another two touchdowns like Gronk is unbelievable in the red zone he's one of the most unstoppable red zone targets ever and of course you know he's still doing it too so um Bucks cruising pretty good here right now 2-0 Brady I don't know if he's the favorite to win MVP but he's probably one of them I mean he's got nine touchdown passes well in two games I mean do the math I mean you multiply that by eight if it was that's he's on pace 
like 76 touchdown passes. So um, my math could be wrong there, though. So don't quote me on that. Um, but to, to me, not, not a whole lot to talk about here, Randy. Gronk does, does his thing. Evans does his thing. Too many weapons to guard. The Falcons defensively are putrid. You know, yeah. and Matt, Matt Ryan throws two pick sixes in this game. No, did he throw two pick sixes? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah, God, that uh, yeah, he, he's at the end of his road. But yeah, I, I'm just going to say I expected it. Turned out pretty much not a whole lot to talk about. Yeah, Mike Edwards, or whatever his name is, Edwards on the defense for the, the Bucks had two picks for 46 yards, two touchdowns. So oh, Jesus. He had both touchdowns for, for the Bucks defense. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking more about this game. Matt Ryan looks washed more and more each game. So Falcons are a mess. Uh, the Falcons, by the way, have direct correlations to the 2018 Giants, uh, where they misused draft capital so poorly uh, and misrealized mis- where they were as a franchise. Um, and, and that's kind of how they are where they are right now. Uh, the Giants had uh, Shermer as their new coach. They have Arthur Smith. They had an aging quarterback, Eli Manning. They have an aging quarterback in Matt Ryan. Uh, they took Saquon Barkley second overall. They took Kyle Pitts fourth overall. There's this whole thing uh, with those two teams at that point in their, their uh, existence that, that lines up pretty accurately. So going to be a long year for the Falcons. All right, moving on. And uh, this was one of the games I was really looking forward to watch, and it ended up being a very entertaining game, but with a outcome I was not expecting. And it's the Dallas Cowboys going into SoFi Stadium and getting a 20-17 to 17 win as time expires over the Los Angeles Chargers. I had to stop myself from saying the other city that they used to play in. Uh, Greg the Leg Zerline cost the Cowboys a win in week one and ends up being the difference here in week two. And, you know, both quarterbacks I thought played pretty well. Herbert made a couple – mistakes at the end of this at the end of the day that were ended up being costly um but i i kept thinking while i watched this game that man herbert really just needs more <laughs> he needs better here because every time he made a play there'd be a flag every time he'd be in a situation they'd sack him or the officiating really kill, killed him on here too they called him down on a sack and he threw it away and it shouldn't have been a sack but nonetheless they call it a sack um but hey herbert finishes 31 of 41 338 yards and a touchdown he had two picks like i said um dak prescott 23 of 27 237 yards no touchdowns and a pick and the the dilemma the the elephant in the room with really with the cowboys is that tony pollard is a better running back right now than ezekiel (laughs) elliott and it shows on the field he had 13 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown compared to zeke's 16 for 71 and a touchdown and then pollard adds three for 31 on in the air so um i guess it's a good problem to have ultimately but you're paying zeke a ton of money only for his backup to be outplaying him right now so um you you watch this game that bush so what did you think i felt like the chargers still charter and find a way to beat themselves regardless of who's at the helm here the penalties and i think it was a theme for a lot of this well these past two games the penalties for almost every game have really kind of felt like it messed up the flow. Did this some ticky tack stuff that I, I, I'm not sure if it's worth calling, you know, it's like, it's carrying over from the Super Bowl because I remember, you know, they weren't calling all the pass interference calls until the Super Bowl. And now this year they're, they're just flagging everything and it's bogging down some of these games. The, the chargers I felt were victims to some, maybe two or three really bad flags but at the end of the day, the Chargers got to clean this up. I mean, you, yeah. you can't go through these games with double-digit penalties every single game. They did it last year. They're doing it again this year. At some point, enough is enough. And Dallas, I, I agree with you. I think Zeke is just – he got old quick. You know, he got paid and he got old. 
That's the Sean Alexander effect, I guess. So then you take a look at Tony Pollard, definitely more explosive, ha- had mm-hmm. a little more juice in his tank. To me, I thought Dallas was going to win this game. I thought it was going to be close. It, it is close. Dallas's defense is doing enough, but really benefited from some penalty calls against the Chargers. But to me, this is a big win for Dallas. Now you're one and one. Philly's one and one. The rest of the division, you know, Washington's also, I believe, Washington's one and one as well. The Giants yeah. are 0 and 2. So to me, Dallas can really make a statement. I, I think Monday night they play the Eagles. That yeah. could be a real statement game for this division. But Dallas took care of business. Huge win for the Cowboys, honestly, and and it changes the whole trajectory of the division outcome now because, you know, anytime you can get a win over one of these Western division teams, it's absolutely massive. And and I consider Chargers to be a damn good team. So huge win. And I know Herbert made those two picks. If you get to go watch them, the all 22 on this game, Herbert just continues to make me fall more and more in love with the damn guy. He is unbelievable. He made some throws that, um, your jaw just drops. Uh, he made a, uh, it, it had to have gone almost 60 yards in the air to Mike Williams. And it was an unbelievable throw. And then another one down the sideline to Keenan Allen. <laughs> that was a 42 yarder. That was, it had hardly any arc on the ball. It was a laser like that cut through the air. That I didn't know arms were even possible of doing. Um, I, I just, I think Justin Herbert was so slept on. If you're a Dolphins fan, you have to be absolutely sick that you took two over Justin Herbert at this point. I mean, I know the two picks happen. It's okay. I'm not worried about Justin Herbert at all. He's unbelievably talented. And that's why even more so this is a big win for the Cowboys. Cause anytime you can beat Herbert, I think it's a big deal at this point. Yep. Agreed. All right, Matt, I know when you watch the Chargers tape, you're going to be like, holy hell, Justin Herbert is, is unbelievable. No, I didn't uh, think that. I, no, I, I love Herbert. I mean, to me, it's like watching Aaron Rodgers play quarterback for the Chargers. That's how highly I think of the guy. It says a lot. It says everything you need to know. All right, our last recap of the week is, a, is an upset to me. I mean, after how bad the Titans looked in week one against the Cardinals, they go into Seattle and beat the 12th man. 33 to 30 in a comeback style. They were down seven late in the game and tractor CO season started early this year. <laughs> Matt Blishnell, because holy hell, Derrick Henry had himself a game. He had 35 carries for 182 yards and three touchdowns. He also had a career high six catches for 55 yards. If you had Derrick Henry in fantasy, you're happy about the season starting early because my God, usually it takes a little bit longer than this. And the Seahawks defense, I liked a lot coming in, and they just did not have an answer for the big man in the backfield. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, 27 to 40, 347 yards, no touchdown, no picks. He'll take that. I think that he had a touchdown to Julio Jones that was taken back. I don't think that they had enough evidence to overturn it, and yet they still did. I don't really know why that happened. But, hey, Russell Wilson, I felt like played well in this game, 22 to 31, 343 yards, two touchdowns, until overtime where he made two absolutely boneheaded mistakes and two bad throws, too. this game probably should have ended on a walk-off safety, uh, but Seattle gets a break there, but uh, ultimately didn't make a difference. They still ended up losing. Tyler Lockett and that Russell Wilson connection continues to be deadly. Eight for 178 and a touchdown. The Seahawks have some work to do after they lose 33-30 to 30 at home to the Titans. What's going on here, Matt? I mean, I, I think Seattle's the worst team in that NFC West, <clears throat> and I think it showed. It, as well as they played against the Colts, it's just – I, I don't know, man. It, running teams seem to give Seattle some issues. San Francisco's always been able to run on them, and they, they have given Seattle fits in the past. 
So maybe that's what it is. Um, puzzle and call with Derrick Henry not giving him the rock when they could have scored a touchdown with them. He could have <laughs> had another touchdown. So that was a little puzzling, but Seattle's in some trouble here. I don't – I they have to figure out what's the identity of this offense because Russell Wilson cannot just be running around the backfield for 10 seconds and then just chucking up one of those pretty deep balls all the time. This, this offense has to get more consistent, more fluid. It needs to be smoother. At times it looks so clunky, so mm. hard, you know, and it's just, what are we doing here? It, it's got to get cleaner. It's got to get smoother. And I think in turn, it will help that defense because sometimes they leave that defense out there for too long. Not being able to run the ball, it really affects them. You know, I, I don't think the offense has ever been as potent as it was when they had Marshawn Lynch back there. Yeah. And Carson had just 13 carries for 31 yards in this game. I mean, he did have the two touchdowns, but there's no stability in the running game. He only had 18 rushing attempts total in the whole game for less than 100 yards. I mean, Derrick Henry doubled that by himself uh, in this game. I mean, it's it helps when the offensive line is good, and Tennessee, in theory, has a good offensive line despite being dominated by the Cardinals. Um, they kind of proved that they do have a decent offensive line, and it's enough to get it done today. Um, <clears throat> the Seahawks, like, I, I just think they're a flawed roster, uh, yep. and, and that was my concern with them coming into the season. I, I thought the defense played really well week one, but maybe that is the Colts. Maybe that's Carson Wentz helping out there. Um, but losing at home is something you don't see a lot from Seattle, and it's, it's, a, it's alarming to me when you lose to a Titans team that also showed their flaws in week one. So uh, I'm not saying Pete Carroll's on the hot seat, but I'd be pretty disappointed uh, if I'm a Seahawks fan that you lose this game. This is a game you should win, and I know Derrick Henry's a beast, but I feel like he's the focal point, and he, you should be all hands on deck to stop that guy. So um, yeah, I mean, they're, the Seahawks become the first team in the West uh, to have a loss, and they join the Chargers as the only two teams in the Western Conference. Uh, the Western, uh, the, Chiefs, the Chiefs, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, we expected them to go undefeated, and they didn't. So, uh, <laughs> the Seahawks, uh, I think I agree with you. They are the worst team in the division for obvious reasons, but I still think the quarterback is good enough to keep them relevant, and they will win some games, and then they'll be there in the end with a chance to make the playoffs. So, yeah, agreed. Big win for the Titans. I don't think that can be understated. Uh, all right, so let's talk about now. This is why these shows are long, man. I mean, we do one show a week, so I mean, we got to talk about the games coming up now. So um, let's get into it. Let's start Thursday night football here. Uh, let me just shift my schedule to week three. And uh, look, you see the you see the Texans, and you're like, oh, all right, well, I uh, don't like that. <laughs> but uh, you would have liked it more if Terod Taylor was going to play, and he's already been ruled out. So you got Davis uh, Davis Mills. Uh, coming in here and look, this feels like a nice three and zero start for the Carolina Panthers starting on Thursday. And uh, Sam Darnold, this is a chance for Sam Darnold on a national stage to say, Hey, I'm not a jet anymore. And Adam Gase isn't my head coach anymore either. You know, sometimes I go with my brain. Sometimes I go with my gut and you know what? I'm going with my gut here. Houston's going to win this one, baby. The Texans wow. are going to rise from the dead Davis Mills is not going to do anything, but they're going to run the football. They're going to run the football and they're going to run the football and they're going to play good defense. I think they're going to muck it up a little bit. Darnold should be okay this game. I don't think it's going to be too hard, but give me the Texans 17 to 16. Ooh, what a barn burner on Thursday night football. Jeez. Uh, what's funny is I think there are two 
one one there's one clear game this week for survivor and i'm sorry jacob but it's the jets traveling the broncos like i'm, I'm all over denver this week in survivor pools and many people are shifting theirs to save the Broncos for later in the year to Carolina this week. And because I, I think they will know to Rob, they're not really worried about the Texans that much. And it would be so much, it would be the epitome of Sam Darnold's career to have an absolute stinker in this game <laughs> and, and ruin so many survivor picks <laughs> and, in that way. And I just can't put all my trust in the Sam Darnold on prime time to get, to change my pick to them right now. And I, I will pick them to win this game, but I'm not putting the fate of my survivor. League on it. Uh, so I, I say the Panthers win. I don't think it's com- I don't have a ton of confidence in it, but I just think the Texans are going to struggle with their rookie quarterback. And I think it's ugly. I think the Panthers win 20 to um, I'll say 11. Um, and it's a forgettable Thursday night game. All right, let's do some quick picks. We're going to go down each and every game at Bushnell. We'll do a little quick little synopsis and then pick them and let's get the hell out of here because we've been talking for a while. All right, let's start off the Washington football team coming off a Thursday night football victory, traveling to Western New York to play the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. Um, and with Taylor Heineke coming off his first career start, you'd think he's gotten in a great spot here, but I just think the Bills coming off of a big statement when against the Dolphins are primed to take advantage of the backup quarterback of the Giants could take advantage of, and it feels like a bad spot for the team to go into Buffalo. So give me the Bills here, uh, and I, th- I like them to win by a touchdown. Yeah, give me the Bills, 29, Washington football team, ton. Can they – damn, that's a, that's a bit of a plot there, Matt Bush. I, I need the Washington football team defense to make some plays here because we talked a lot about how good their defense was, their defensive front. They have not looked amazing the first couple weeks. So I need them to step up. Um, Josh Allen off to a bit of a rough start. Can they continue to make Josh Allen's life a little difficult? I need to see it, but I don't know. So I'm going to go Bills 21, team 14. All right. Now we're moving on to your Bears traveling to Cleveland to play the Browns. This is actually an interesting matchup here. And I, if Odell Beckham Jr. can play, this might be a little bit more difficult. So we'll see the status of him. But I I just trust Kevin Stefanski more than I trust Matt Nagy. And I don't know about Justin Fields quite yet. So by default, I'm, I'm leaning Browns here. Only one rookie quarterback has won a game all year so far, and that's been Mac Jones and that Bill Belichick-style right. offense. Um, Justin Fields look, sounds like he's going to get the start here. I just think the Browns are able to dictate what the game is going to be. And Matt Nagy gets in his own way. I think they're going to throw when they should run. I think they're going to run when they should throw. (laughs) Give me the Browns 27 to the Bears 16. I like that score. Um, I'm actually going to go Browns 25, Bears 20. Uh, And I think Fields shows some – flashes here and there but ultimately is inconsistent so all right moving on ravens coming off it was a bigger win as they've had in you know in this lamar jackson era traveling to detroit to get the lions this is the other survivor pick i'm considering because the lions are the gifts that keeps on giving it feels like uh <laughs> this is a nice get for baltimore in the midst of a tough schedule off the bat, off the bat here so uh, i like the ravens and i i kind of like them pretty big you know, I, I'm one and one with Detroit at this point. I picked them to beat the 49ers. Then I picked them to lose against the Packers. And then they're 0-2, soon to be 0-3. Give me the Ravens. Huge day for Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to have the, his way with them. Yep. So give me the Ravens, 34 to the Lions, 23. 
Yeah, give me the Ravens, 31, and the Lions, 18. Uh, all right, moving on. The Colts, this is an AFC South matchup. The wall, AFC South matchups. The 0-2 <laughs> Colts, the backs against the wall, traveling to Tennessee to play the Titans. Um, I don't know the status of Carson Wentz in this game, and I don't know if it matters because if Tractor Cito season is here before <laughs> October, the world is in trouble because the man with Mr. Hankey sticking out of his helmet is here to stay. Um, I don't know if the Colts – I mean, look, I like the Colts the way they, they battled against the Rams, but they still feel like a team that – Similar to the Giants, they're good enough to lose. Um, these divisional games are always weird. Maybe the Colts come out and say, hey, our season's on the line here against a divisional opponent. Let's come out and win this game. That I could see, but for now, I need to see that they're capable of doing that. So for now, I'm going to go Tennessee in an ugly one. Yeah, I think Tennessee here, I, I, I think the Colts will stop Tractor Cito, but I'm expecting two huge days from not only A.J. Brown, but also Julio Jones. So as well, give me the Titans 30 to the Colts 23. Okay. Uh, give me the Titans uh, 29 to 24. And, uh, but this is the one game I'm going to hedge my bet on and say, I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts came out and, and went full desperation. Yeah. Remote on us. All right, uh, Chargers. This is a great matchup in AFC West divisional game. Chargers one and one. Chiefs one and one at Arrowhead. Um, are the Chiefs going to come out and say, "Hey, we are still the cream of the crop in this division"? Or are they going to keep saying, eh, we're, "We're just going to be there in the end as long as no one gets hurt, we're fine. We're going to try new things, figure out who our number three is. Doesn't matter." And maybe they barely escape with a win. Maybe Justin Herbert continues to grow his legacy and come in and just slap his curly hair right on the Chiefs and just say, "I'm the man around here now." What I don't know what to expect in this game. Anything could happen. Yeah, to me, I think the Chiefs are more capable of cleaning things up. The Chargers are developing a track record for beating themselves with penalties. Yeah. I think it's going to be an exciting game. Herbert almost beat them last year yep. in his, when he played against them. So I, I think it's going to be close. I don't expect much defense in this game. So, so give me the Chiefs 35 to the Chargers 34. Mm, I love it. Uh, I'm going to go Chiefs 41, Chargers 38. Wow. Uh, maybe a last-second field goal by Harrison Butker to win the game. All right. Uh, moving on to the Saints traveling to Foxborough to play the Patriots. And what if my – I have a theory on maybe the Saints last week and amid all of the COVID issues, maybe uh, Sean Payton was overlooking the Panthers in preparation for the Patriots. And I, I'm – and I can't believe I'm doing this, but I kind of feel like the Saints are one of my favorite upset picks of the week. Yeah, I like the Saints here because I'm not sure if Mac Jones is capable of getting into a scoring fest. I think the Patriots are limited offensively. The mm -hmm. Saints quietly have a really good defense if guys are on the field. Yeah. Give me the Saints 24 to the Patriots 13. I cannot see the Patriots scoring enough points. Yeah, I think that I think Jameis packs his contacts. <laughs> and and it's I feel like these dumb quarterbacks are just Bill Belichick's kryptonite. You know, Eli Manning, Jameis Winston, these guys who are just too stupid for their own good uh, that can overcome some great schemes. Uh, and and I like I like the Saints here too. I think their defense is really good, and I I, I like the Saints. I, I think there's gonna be twenty to seventeen New Orleans going into uh, 
going into Foxborough and getting a win, and the Patriots are one and two staring Tom Brady in the face week four Sunday Night Football. I love that. All right. Uh, the stink fest of the week to me uh, it is, is the Falcons traveling to New Jersey to play the New York Giants at MetLife Stadium. And you know what's special about this game, Matt Bushnell? Besides, you know, 0-2 versus 0-2 and nothing else being special about this game at all? <laughs> I, I have no idea. What's A that. retirement ceremony is happening at MetLife Stadium for none other than Eli Manning. The oh. Giants honoring number 10, hanging it in the rafters, securing no other player will wear number 10 ever again. Mm-hmm. And let me just tell you, every time the Giants do something where they honor a previous Super Bowl team or a player or whatever – they stink every single time. <laughs> every time I can remember this happening, they lay an egg on the field. And Eli Manning being the quarterback most of those games that I can remember. And uh, I hope the Giants don't do that to him. I, he deserves uh, a nice win. And I just think the Falcons are the perfect team to help them get it. So uh, I do think the Giants get off the schneid and get a win here and, and go one and two. And I, I think they get a win in ugly fashion. I'd say 24 24- to 20 over the Falcons on Eli day. I I hate everything about this game, Randy, because (laughs) it should be so simple, but yet it's going to be so difficult for me to decide, like, because it's Jason Garrett. Like the formula should be simple. Use Daniel Jones's legs to open up the run game for Saquon Barkley. That's how you're going to get busted loose and make timely passes. Sterling Shepard is showing reliable hands. Darius Slayton, yeah, you know, you want to be a little bit better. Use Kadarius Tony. That's that's what you drafted him for. Yeah. I, I I just I don't know, and I don't trust stupid teams with stupid coaches. I'm taking the Falcons because I think they have a better coach and. Even with Pitts and Calvin Ridley, it, it makes some matchup, dif- you know, some difficulties in the matchup for the Giants. I hate this game. I don't want to pick it because I can see the Giants blowing the doors off of them. This is going to be one of those stupid things. Just give me the Falcons 24 to 21. There's one thing for certain. Calvin Ridley is going to have a day in this game. I have no doubt about that. And Pitts might have a, good, a day too. I don't know. And then Matt Ryan might look like his old self because the Giants defense hasn't exactly looked good so far this year. So, you know, ultimately anything's possible with this Giants team. Yeah. I think the, the Falcons defense is bad to make. Hopefully Jones can build off of the game he had against the Washington football team. But at the same time, I could see Jones going, hey, remember that game I played well? Let me just counteract that with a you know a couple turnovers here and just <laughs> looking like garbage. Uh, we'll see. I like the Giants to get their first win. And if they don't get their first win, I don't know where that first win's coming from on the schedule. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, now to an, NF- an AFC North matchup with the Bengals traveling to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. And, uh, man, both of these teams, uh, they both have so many issues. Uh, I just am going to pick the home team here because I don't feel great about either of them. And I just, you know, I, I would probably have gone the Bengals if they were at home. Uh, but I don't know what the hell happened to Burrow. Maybe the Bears defense is great, but I also think the Steelers defense is similar to the Bears defense as long as T.J. Watt is out there. Maybe we'll get Burrow problems. I like the Steelers in a low-scoring game. Uh, I'll say 22-14 uh, Steelers over Bengals. To me, this is Falcons-Giants, same territory. <laughs> I, I, I hate this game. I wouldn't bet on it either way because both these teams, like you said, I don't like either one of these teams because I don't yeah. think they can sustain anything. I, I think absolutely you can draw comparisons 
to the Bears and the Steelers. I think that is more than fair. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think what I see is a strong rushing attack from Najee Harris. The Bengals Mm -hmm. have a good defensive front. There's a lot of money in that front. And I'm going to take the upset here. I'm going to take the Bengals to pull this out on a Jamar Chase, his third consecutive game with a touchdown reception over 40 yards. Give it to me, Jamar. Bengals 17, Steelers 14. Can I get some Tyler Boyd love in there? I need I need some Tyler Boyd fantasy points in my life. Uh, all right. Uh, the Cardinals, a 2-0, traveling to Jacksonville to play the 0-2 Jags. And I just got to say, I just feel like this is blowout city. I don't know how the Jags keep up with the Cardinals in this game. The Cardinals offense feels unstoppable at the moment, and the Jags don't offer too much resistance as is. So I like the Cardinals big. Give me them by two-plus touchdowns. Yeah, if if the Jaguars refuse to run the football, the, you know the sun's going to get low real quick on the, those Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday. Give me the Cardinals thirty-eight to the Jaguars seven. Seven. Wow. I, it, that offense is so just dysfunctional. Right. I like the Cardinals thirty-seven to the Jags at twenty. Okay. Uh, let's move on now to my survivor pick of the week. The Jets traveling a mile high stadium, the Broncos home opener. They started the year back-to-back road games. Uh, now they get to welcome their home fans undefeated and they get the lowly Jets. So what a, what a gift to have if you're a Broncos fan. What a time to be alive in Denver, Colorado. Uh, love Teddy here. Love the, give me all the Broncos. Start every Bronco you have in fantasy. Uh, just love this spot for the Denver Broncos. And of course, Alec Wilson, I think it's going to be a tough day for him against that second uh, I like the Broncos to win big. I'll say 27 to nine. So Zach Wilson goes against a defense last week that doesn't have a lot of names, but you know, it's a good scheme. Well run. Now he's traveling to Denver with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. And then that secondary it just goes from bad to worse. And this is why you needed a veteran quarterback. Like much like the bears wanted to get through this. I I guarantee the bears did not want to start Justin Fields against the Browns. I guarantee you that was not the plan. And the jets should have had a a quarterback to get them through this patch because Denver is going to absolutely make life hell for Zach Wilson. Uh, Broncos are going to win this one. I think it's going to be somewhere. The Broncos are going to probably put up 26 points ish. Yeah, I'll say 27 to the Jets 10. Okay. Similar scores for us there. Uh, all right. Not too far away, maybe further than I realized, but over to Vegas. Um, <laughs> uh, to Same part of the world to me. I don't know. I've been criticized for my geography before on the show. That's okay. But uh, the Raiders hosting the Miami Dolphins, and it looks like Jacoby Brissett at quarterback here. And the way that Derek Carr and the Raiders have been playing, I just love them in this spot. Um, I think they're going to be three and oh, just like Matt Bush just signaled to those in the Facebook group who are watching live. Uh, Derek Carr's MVP narrative continues in this game, and I like the Raiders to win big. I'll say 31 to 10. Raiders, yeah, I don't know how the Dolphins keep up. I mean, both against my against New England and against Buffalo, you know, you don't put up points. And you're going to go against Vegas, who one thing they're really good at is throwing up a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And Ruggs has got speed. Darren Waller just kills you in the middle of the, you know, middle of the zone area. Hunter Renfro just eats you alive on the corners, on the edges. 
just to me, this just screams Raiders. I'm taking the Las Vegas Raiders 27 to the Dolphins 13. All right. Now time for the game of the week. It is criminal that this is not a primetime game. This could be a potential uh, NFC uh, championship preview. Uh, I, I love this matchup. This I think this will be the NFC championship. Uh, this is the Bucks traveling to LA to play the Rams. And this is the, by far the game of the week. I love this matchup here. And this is probably the toughest game the, the Bucks are going to have all year. And um, if I've learned anything about the Bucks the first two weeks is that, and I said this before in our week one preview, that their secondary can be had. And I expect the Rams to take advantage of that in this game. Uh, I think they love to air it out. I think that's their whole plan to begin with. And I expect Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, uh, maybe Tyler Higby to have nice games in this. Maybe Van Jefferson has a nice game. Maybe Deshaun Jackson finally makes an impact in the game here. I don't know. Um, this is Tom Brady's first ever time playing in Los Angeles in his entire 22 career career, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, and I, I don't think they get boat race. I think this is just an absolute shootout. And I like the Rams to give the Bucks their first and maybe only loss of the season. And I like them 38 to 35. So Tom Brady has faced Sean McVay once and he beat him. Bill Belichick, too, by the way. Yeah, Bill Belichick. Held him to three points. That helps. Do you know what week is after this one? Bill Belichick. Exactly. Now, most players, you would think, okay, they're going to overlook this week because it's a a big grudge match for Brady. You better bet your bottom dollar. Brady, that game against New England is circled. It's in red. He wants to beat the living hell out of New England. To me... This Rams game, he's not going to lose focus. I, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. But if you take a look at all the teams that can match up against Aaron Donald, this is the team. Yeah, They have a really, really good offensive line. You want to move Donald out to end? Well, guess what? You got Tristan Wirfs out there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, their center is just a nasty, dirty player, which is kind of what you need against a player like Aaron Donald's caliber. So to, to me, you just mentioned all that. The, the, the Rams have Jalen Ramsey, but he can't guard Gronk. And I think the linebacker position for the Rams is pretty weak. The Bears were able to dink and dunk and move the ball at will against the Rams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even the Colts were able to move the ball when they got into a rhythm against the Rams. I'm going to take the Bucks here, and I'm going to take them 27 to 26. I, I just, to me, the Bucks have that formula down pat. Brady's not going to lose a close game. Okay. See, I thought about it, and I was like, if this is a Patriots-Belichick game, I absolutely like them to beat the Rams because I think that they would have taken away Cup uh, and taken away Stafford's favorite weapons and made him uncomfortable. I don't. I mean, I, I like the Bucks defense a ton. I just don't know if it's the same. Like, I don't know if Todd Bowles will be able to come up with a similar scheme to shut him down. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think they're certainly talented enough, but I just think the Rams at home will be coming out ready to make a statement. And then what better way to do that than beating Tom Brady at home? So. All right, we'll see. We're both going at each other now. We'll figure out who's right come next week. And uh, all right, let's see. We have the moon on to the Seahawks 
traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. This is an absolute must-win game for the Vikings, and the Seahawks feel like also if they don't want to get too far behind in their division, it'd be a key game for them to win as well. I don't trust either of these teams. This is the crazy thing. It's like I don't know. I can't say with like confidence who I think is going to win this game because ultimately I don't think I can't trust either of them at all. I, I just I guess what it comes down to is I trust I trust Russell Wilson more than anyone else in this game, and I, I feel like I'll let let him determine my fate. So, yeah, Randy, you just basically said right what I was thinking. I, I trust Russell Wilson more than I would ever trust Kirk Cousins. So give me the Seahawks. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm guessing somewhere like 21 to 17. Okay. I, I like the Seahawks. Uh, well, I'll say 26, 21. And, uh, you know, I just, I still don't have any idea. I don't trust either of them. Uh, as far as, far as I can throw them all, yeah. I, don't, I don't trust them. All right. Primetime game, Sunday night football. It is the Green Bay Packers traveling to Santa Clara to play the San Francisco 49ers. And earlier in the comment section, Henry said this could be a game where you see a lot of Trey Lance. And that would give that just gives me Colin Kaepernick flashbacks. If you're a Packers fan, just you're at PTSD of running quarterbacks for the Niners making your life hell. So we'll see if that happens. But the Packers getting a nice bounce back win last night. The Niners are 2-0. Um I don't know if I think Zaire Rodgers is sick as losing sick of losing to this Niners team. I, I, I just kind of like him in this spot, and that's really the only reason why. I mean, I feel like he's lost to them so many times, uh, and I love the Niners' defense, so maybe it's not even possible. But something just tells me the Rodgers is just ready to come out and just say, you know, screw the Niners. I'm sick of losing to them. Where's this at? This Stand- is in California. Okay, yeah, Rodgers' hometown. I just I I trust Rodgers. I I, I do. But I don't trust the Packers' run defense. Like, this is just a terrible matchup for the Packers in every imaginable way on that side of the football. I I think Rodgers and the offense can put up points against the Niners' defense, and the Niners didn't look great. But I I think Philly committed to stopping the run. Then Mm -hmm. they dared Jimmy Garoppolo to beat them. And Jimmy G, you know, they beat him, but Jimmy G didn't give you like those positive, oh my God, I believe in this guy type of vibes. I'm going to ride San Francisco here because I just think that running attack is just too good. Um, I think it's going to be close. It's not going to be a blowout, but I just don't believe the Packers can stop the run against a team that always wants to run. Yeah. Give me the 49ers uh, 28 to the Packers 24. At some point, not having any running backs has to matter, right? <laughs> I mean, I know I don't like running backs, but at some point, you have to have a running back. <laughs> to run the ball. So I, I worry about that aspect. And then if you're the Packers and you look at how the Eagles approach them, and I'm like, why don't more teams do this? Why don't they just sell out on the run game? Make, make Jimmy G and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk beat you. And then George Kittle, why don't you make a play, man? I feel like George Kittle has been pretty irrelevant all, all year so far. So maybe this is the game George Kittle breaks out. But um, I'm waiting for George Kittle to have an old-school Kittle-type game. Um, so to me, I would approach it the same way Philly did. And I just – I think eventually not having any talent in the backfield catches up to them. And this could be the game for me for that. So I like the Packers in a close one. I think Rodgers finally beats the, the Niners. I like him 27 uh, to 26. Wow. in this game <clears throat> all right now monday night football uh eagles traveling to arlington texas to play the dallas cowboys 
And I can't wait to hear Eli and Peyton talk about this game. I just, it makes Monday night so much better to listen to those two talk, talk shoot the shit about football. And, you know, they know more about football than anybody. And, and Eli going in there and be like, Hey, my autographs in the locker room. I, I opened the building with an L against Tony Romo. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, so in theory to me, I would love to pick the Eagles here, but I'm not going to, I just think the Cowboys are ready to finally be home. They have not had a home game yet. And I think their high-powered offense is just going to be too much for the Eagles to handle. And I don't know if the Eagles can keep up the scoring with the Cowboys when they're playing at their peak ability. So I like the Cowboys here. I am going to I, – I, I hate – like, I feel like we disagreed on enough games. Yes, I think we have. But, like, I, I want to disagree with you one more time. But nothing <laughs> about this game makes sense for me to disagree with you. <laughs> Philly's close. Like, I, I feel like that team next year could win this division and not break a sweat doing it because I, I the Cowboys are, you know, it's starting to look dim for their future. But, you know, right now, Dak is playing at a really high level. He's really smart mm-hmm. with the football. He's, he's not making back-breaking turnovers. And, and, and he's like, he's, he has control of this offense. He knows when to push it. He knows when to dial it back. Mike McCarthy's a terrible coach. Awesome. So that gives me pause here. And I'm trying to figure out in my head, like, okay, how can Dallas lose this game? Jalen Hurts would have to rush for like 200 yards, I think, for Dallas to lose this game. I think CD Dallas can do the things that San Francisco cannot. San Francisco cannot throw deep accurate right. with, with the wide receivers. You got Amari Cooper, you got CD Lamb, and you got Michael Gallup that's niners enough that. yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, they just don't have the, those three players would be the niners number one hands yeah. down no not even close yeah so dallas is going to present a different matchup and the Eagles secondary is just absolute trash it's yeah it's you can throw it out there and you can feel yeah okay about it but jimmy g missed a couple of touchdown passes that yeah. would have blown that game open so i'm going to take dallas here I think, you know, Philly will fight. Philly's been playing some close games, but I think this one gets away from Philly. Give me Dallas 31, Philly 17. Okay. By the way, do you see what the Cowboys did without Dexter, uh, Demarcus Lawrence at the end? They moved Micah Parsons, the rookie linebacker, oh, at the end, and he played really well. Yeah. He really did. Time. Huh? That was only a matter of time because, yeah, I like him much better as a DN than I do as an inside linebacker. He's he's quick and he's fast and he's athletic enough to set the edge. Like, honestly, they might have found something there at the end with Micah Parsons. Uh, I, I, I really like what they did there. Uh, I like the Cowboys here, too. I like the Eagles to make it close. Both these games were always entertaining and close. Uh, I like Dallas 23 to 20 over Philly on Monday Night Football. All right, Matt, we've been talking here for two hours and five minutes. So uh, let's do a quick little wrap up here. If you're in any of our other groups, go check out the podcasts and, and baseball life and basketball life, and wrestling life. Uh, I'm not going to go down the line. If you want listening to us still at this point, you know, the drill, you know, who's good. You know, when the shows are, you know, who the shows are, you know, we're here all the time with coverage wise, Matt, and we'll be back next Tuesday to break down week three and preview week four as always. Matt, do you have any parting words for our audience? Yeah, I do want to tell the audience, and I, I, I'm i not sure how many people are listening now, but Dong City will be back tomorrow night okay. for, for, for a show. They, they have confirmed it. 
They will be on Vince and Henry, Vince Marcandetti, Henry Maldonado Jr., also known as Life Group Difference, because Henry <laughs> just can't watch himself on Facebook for whatever reason. And they'll be on at 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Pacific, and they are going to be breaking down some, you know, very intriguing what's going on in baseball nowadays. And I'm sure, Randy, they're going to be talking about the Otani versus Vlad. But my final word is this. Rookie quarterbacks after the COVID season were bound to take a step back. It doesn't mean they're bad. Don't give up on Wilson, Lawrence, Fields, Lance, or Jones. They should all be fine. Words of wisdom from Matt Bushnell. Uh, bet update, Yankees up 3-1, to one, but getting late early for my Yanks. Uh, and we should have a finalization on that bet, if not next week, the following week, if the Yankees miss the playoffs. Uh, we will know pretty soon. So baseball season quickly coming to an end and uh, our bet uh, results uh, quickly approaching that. Yeah, why are right. playing like shit? Uh, <laughs> right. At least you got the playoff spot locked up. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, watching on YouTube, listening on any of the audio-only platforms, we greatly appreciate making a small part of your day, wherever you are maybe listening, however you may be listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. On behalf of Matt Bushnell, I'm Randy Hammond. See you guys next week. <laughs>